Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello everybody, it's Wednesday, June 27th, 2012, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say. Hello! Mr. Bob Ryer. Hi, we follow the Konnichiwa. And we're getting, we have a trend here. Stephanie Cook is back again. Woo! For a second week in a row, yeah! It is. It's a winning streak. It is a winning It's a winning streak. <laughs> it's a little major league for you. Yes. <laughs> um, oh Steve, was that hello Seinfeld related? La, la, la. <laughs> I was just thinking about the episode, you know, where, that same episode where they have the Kramerica. Yeah. You know, and it, oh, the fake intern yeah, yeah. that he hires. Over yeah. my head completely. Uh, you know, watch Seinfeld. You never watched Seinfeld mm. at all? I've no, I've seen yeah. every episode multiple times. And George, who pretended to be handicapped when he got hired at a place. Yep. Now they found out he's not handicapped, and now they're trying um, to force him out of his job because if he doesn't show up, they can fire yes. him. But unless he doesn't show up, they can't fire him. So they're like locking him out of his office, and he's like, "I'll teach this guy to try to fire me because I was fake handicapped." Yeah. <laughs> That's a great. It's great. I'm show. in the walls, Jerry. I'm in the walls. <laughs> he has to crawl through the vents to get to his office. Wow. Yeah. I love when uh, he calls the secretary on the phone out yeah. front. He's like, just let them know that I'm in my office. <laughs> That's a fantastic show. Yes. Fantastic show. I agree. Um, so, yeah, we are back. We're going to talk about some comic books later. We have a lot of books to talk about. We're going to be talking about um, possible Justice League movie casting, our kind of Ooh. fantasy casting. And also, Bob's going to go over some of the best and most possible storylines the Just League movie could uh, well, based, be based on off. what I'm thinking about. But yeah, yeah what you're thinking we'll about, see yes. what, you know. Uh, who better? Yeah. Who better, yeah. And some listener feedback and so on and so forth. Um, but Bob, you had mentioned before the show that uh, you'd seen a movie that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, only because it, it ends up impacting a book that I read this week as a book okay. of the week, sort of. It's uh, the new Pedro Moldovar, mm-hmm. uh, Skin I Live In depending on how you want to translate this. It's sort of based on, they're saying it's a novel, but it's an old French film called Eyes Without a Face. Oh, you told me about this. Antonio Banderas is sort of mad scientist, doctory surgeon guy. It's, it is a horror movie. Antonio Banderas? <laughs> yeah. Um, doctory. <laughs> thing, I, I can't give too much away here. He has an obsession with something. Something very bad happens to his wife and daughter. Okay. He takes it out on somebody. Mm-hmm. Keep someone prisoner and doing experiments and the you know, mad scientisty things, mm-hmm. and it goes to somewhere completely different that you're not expecting. And when it happens, it's wow! This mm-hmm. is how you make a movie. This is how you do something a little different in a genre you've seen before and seen everything. Haven't seen this one. No, I haven't seen this one. Mm, cool. He's like, "Welcome to the Antonio Banderas. How do you say a show?" Yes. That's our night live skit. Boots and boots. Yes. <laughs> With, uh, yeah. Worth seeing. Worth awesome. seeing. Definitely worth seeing. 
I've only seen one Amoldovar film. Amoldovar. 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 Yeah, he doesn't use his first name anymore. Yeah, a film can't. by Amoldovar. Which was the one, um, the one with Penelope Cruz. Uh, the, <laughs> the one where her mother passes away. Um, all about my mother. I don't know. It wasn't all about my mother. I can't remember what it was called right now. It came out. The talk to her. Volver. Volver. Yes, that she was nominated for best actress for. Yeah. It's a great film. It is a great film. Yeah. It was a really, really Stephanie great. Stephanie with the save. She yeah, she came in. She's yeah. like, ba boom, swoosh. This is what I got I for you. Uh, another news: um, the uh, expansion for Skyrim just launched yesterday, so my <laughs> life is again over. <laughs> Pretending I didn't hear this. Yeah, as well Suckers. as the uh, downloadable pack for Mass Effect Three, which is the new endings and stuff for it. So I got a lot of video game time. Oh, I've been putting a ton of time into Mass Effect Two prior to. The travel I've been doing, mm-hmm. so I gotta finish that up and then lose some more of my life to Mass Effect Three eventually. <laughs> Absolutely. Have you been liking Mass Effect Two, Stephanie? I love it. It took me a while to really get into because mm-hmm. I I I could only play for a little bit at a time, and then you know I'd leave it and then come back and then leave it, and then I played for like three days straight. <laughs> nice. Just like I don't need to shower. <laughs> Whatever the cat. <laughs> the cats care. don't care, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If she doesn't care, then why should I? <laughs> and you're playing as a, a lady shepherd? I am. Okay. <laughs> I, I It seemed appropriate. Yeah. I don't know. She's got better voice acting than the male version. Mm. I, I'm digging it, though, a lot. I think I'm almost... I'm pretty well at the end, I think. Um, I just keep on doing the side missions as opposed to finishing off. Yes. You know, what I need to finish off. Inside tip, you need to do a lot of mining and stuff and get a lot of those materials and build oh, up your yeah. ship improvements or people are going to die, just so you know. <laughs> You have it's to really good. dig the stuff out that. of the ground. I get so sidetracked. No, you don't have to I, dig out of the ground, but you have to scan planets. It's a big, like, sp- very nerdy space opera okay. type story. It is. I, I, I find nerdy. myself, like, going to the planets and mining, and then an hour's pass, and I'm like, why am I still doing this? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so boring, and yet I get so consumed with it. Mm-hmm. Mm. It plays. But it's the mining part, not the game. You need yeah. some dilithium crystals. I yeah. Mean, it's important. It's basically what you're doing, and it's very. Very, it's very soothing, repetitive music that plays as you mind. Uh, was it like one of those mood things? Yeah, it's yeah. like a, it's mood music. Yeah, okay. and then uh, the voice of the AI computer on the ship is the is Six from Battlestar Galactica. Oh, it's Trisha Helfer. Trisha so. Helfer? Yeah. Really? Yeah, you didn't know that? <laughs> I didn't know that. Yes, it is. It's Trisha Helfer. <laughs> I've been playing Lego Batman too. I'm so I really want to play that so bad. Yes. DC superheroes. <laughs> yes. So it has more than just Batman in it. It has apparently one of the best Superman games ever made, apparently. And it's Lego. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, it is very, um, I'm not going to say that it's hard, mm-hmm. but it is not as self-explanatory as okay. the others. Um, differences between this and other Lego games is that now the Lego characters have voices. Oh, yeah. Which is something that hasn't mm-hmm. been done before. Mm-hmm. Um, still haven't decided whether I like it or not. Okay. I think that the plot is simple enough that mm. they didn't need it, but I guess they were trying to inject some more personality, try to take it to another level. Mm-hmm. Um, they also, uh, this is the first time that a Lego game is open world. Yeah. Um, cool, but very frustrating if you're playing multiplayer, which is really where it's at mm-hmm. um, with the Lego games, which is a shame because I personally, as much as I am enjoying the game, playing it with a friend and everything, um, and I've only been playing in multiplayer, the um, 
the camera situation for both players is horrendous. Does it still do the dynamic split screen thing? Yeah, the the, the bar that moves with yeah. the player mm-hmm. and separate. It is so, for me anyway, I mean, other people might have a problem with it. I find it very distracting. And there were times when I had absolutely no idea where to go. And I was just going around, you know, kicking stuff and collecting <laughs> coins and my friends progressing in the game. And I'm like, where are you? And he's like, I'm over here. I'm over here. I couldn't find him. Um, so that I still have to explore the game a little bit more. Mm. Um, but it's where I'm at with it so far. I like it. I don't love it. Um, but I'm waiting to see, I think I'm just about to get into where they introduce more characters than just Batman mm-hmm. because the first like hour and a half, two hours of the game is really just Batman. Right, stuff. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we'll see. A lot of comic book video game stuff happening right now. The amazing Spider-Man game is out yeah. right now. And today the second chapter of that walking dead game comes out oh cool so i'm insanely excited to play that but uh that's video game business let's talk about some comic book stuff so um again we've been doing past couple weeks before we jump into the regular books of the week uh let's talk a little about avx because we had another uh, round of avx books Mm -hmm. we had round six of course uh the phoenix well this is gonna be a little bit spoilers i haven't been reading if you haven't been reading um you know the rest of avx it's kind of tough to talk about it at all without at least spoiling somewhat um, this new, new second act. The, the PFF. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, you know, definitely pays off on the stuff that happened at the end of issue five where um, the Phoenix Force chose its host, but it was not the, the host that you really expected it to be. And this issue six brought on uh, a new artist, Oliver Copiel, I believe his name is. Mm-hmm. And it brings back Hickman, Jonathan Hickman, who, for my money, wrote the worst issue of AVX so far, which was issue four. Hmm. Um, so it comes back here, and you know, I wrote the story uh, last week about it. Was it too late for AVX? Because I, I thought the issue five by Matt Fraction was great, but is it too late with the kind of downward trend that it's been experiencing for me to recover itself? This is two times in a row now where I feel like it's been a really, really good book. Uh, I really enjoyed what the development had to offer and how it wasn't quite, you know, you, you kind of expect the Phoenix Force to be one thing, and this was a very different mm-hmm. thing. I, I, the, the art style change to me is incredibly welcome. Very welcome. Yeah. Um, you know, I've liked Romita art in the past. I did not really love the art in these first five issues of AVX. Not epic enough. Yeah, no. Really. And this has that same, that has an epic feeling to it. There's a, you know, Magneto, you know, uh, it kind of welcomes you back to Utopia. Uh, Charles Xavier says of it in, in Utopia and you get to see this, the, the new Utopia Island and it's pretty stunning. Mm-hmm. I like where it's going. I, I, I like the idea of what's happening. I, I like the way they're integrating Scarlet Witch ba- back into the story. Though we did know this was coming for months and months and months. So not, right, but it's happening. So, yeah. you know, there's foreshadowing. <laughs> grumble. Grumble. Yeah. Slight grumble on that one. Uh, I mean, we've already talked about in the past how yeah. could have what have been done in the first five issues been done in three mm-hmm. or two, possibly. But in the end... If the next five issues are excellent, I'm not going to complain that it as much that it took a couple a couple issues to get there. Right. If it's too long a setup to a big finish, yeah, absolutely. What, what those books felt like to me, and honestly, what the the first four books felt like to me in a lot of ways were 
what would have been the road to AVX, you know, like the the yeah. lead up to AVX, you know, the the two issue lead up to well, AVX. But yeah. what I mean is those books they do before you get to the event, right? And in this the way the zero was, yeah, exactly. And instead, you know, instead of like a couple years ago when they did Final Crisis in DC, they they did basically an entire volume of books that was the road to Final yeah. Crisis or lead up to Final Crisis, wherever it was. That's what this felt like to me, but included in the event. So is that ideal? No, but I really loved, and this had the Hickman feel to it. And Steve just wrote a whole article about Jonathan Hickman and his work on FF. I made love to his brain. You did. What did yeah. you think of AVX Six? Um, I like it. I like the. Um, I do. I mean, I'm I'm now officially a fan of Hickman. Mm-hmm. I think that he does some really really great stuff. Um, I like that. I felt the the he has like a like a, a scope mm-hmm. to his writing. When you read his stuff, at least the Fantastic Four stuff, like you have to. You have to be big with Fantastic mm. Four Future Foundation. That's just that's the core of the book. I mean, you're dealing with intergalactic events and different dimensions and realities. You have to be able to write big. So he seems like an appropriate um writer to bring the series up to where it needs to be. Um I sadly have to say though that it might be a little too late for my enthusiasm for the series. Um, as much as I did enjoy round six and I did, I was actually quite surprised when I put it down. Um, but the same thing goes, I was telling you guys earlier, like I have my AVX pile every week and every week it's like, you know, I, Bob reads the best stuff last. Like I kind of jump around a lot. Mm -hmm. And every time that I came to my AVX pile, I was like, like, I just didn't, I I'm not. I'm not excited to read them. Mm-hmm. I'm reading them. I'm enjoying them for the most part. But as far as being like going to the store and like, you know, who's getting this one of AVX or this, but I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. like I haven't done that in probably the whole time. Right. I mean, again, you're, and to be fair, people out there are confused. You're also talking about all the tie-in books as well. Yes, I've, yeah. I've picked up, I think if I missed one, maybe I missed one, mm-hmm. but I have all of them. Um, there's maybe a few that I haven't read. So I've been keeping up with pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, some of them are decent, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's every so often there's a good one. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm going to go back, uh, you know, like years from now and I'm going to be like, oh, I think I'm going to read the AVX thing again. And I'm going to go and I'm going to pull out every book that 47 went to this thing. Yeah, 40, right. 47 yeah. issues that went to this thing. And read the whole thing over again. I'm probably not going to do that. Right. But again, some of these books, like Avengers Academy and X-Men Legacy or X-Men, mm-hmm. which were not very highly regarded books, I think, review-wise, before this event started, this event lifting them up, you're buying them now, but that doesn't mean they're going to be better books. Well, that's true. Uh, but you know? I, you know, I was I was buying Legacy beforehand because mm-hmm. it was it was um, a very rogue centric mm-hmm. book. She's one of my favorites, so it was like a no brainer right. for me. Um, and yeah, you know, I do I did pick up on a couple of books, but there's also a few titles that I can't wait to drop once this is over. Right. Well, I actually already uh, the last couple weeks I have not gotten Avengers or New Avengers. I've dropped wow. both of those books just because I don't want to read them. I'm not excited to read them. I don't need to spend the extra four dollars or eight dollars each one of those books. Um, but I think Secret Avengers has been very good. That's and, been the highlight of the other books, and, and that's not the main right book, no. and that's sad. Actually. And both of the main line X Men titles, Wolverine, the X Men, and Uncanny X Men, I think have stayed very good. But those were very good books. Wolverine's before. always been good. Yeah, those yeah. stayed very good. Um, but what do you think of AVX Six? Um, but- 
Hickman has some nice little moments here. There are things where you, they're just sitting around the mansion waiting for something to happen. Yeah. Regular human moments. Mm. Oh, I'll sort of take care of that. Mm. Um, the problem is to me here, it, not only Utopia, the island, we're dealing with they're creating a utopia. I don't want to give too much right. else away yeah. past that. Been there, done that. It's done well, but it's like, okay, I want something different. And that's why I'm hoping the ending okay. is going to take us to somewhere else now. I mean, yeah, I mean, but the problem is, I mean, this will begin as we t- you're going through, you know, 50, 60 years of the same characters. Right. You're going you're gonna to get similar elements repeating themselves, you know. Uh, and, and it comes to a certain point, I think especially in... in an episodic storytelling in the way that comic books are made is that my my only wish my only hope is always okay it might be something I've seen before but is the execution done well you know and to me in this the execution is done well and it flips well, the script on a lot of ways all of a sudden where the whole time you look at Scott Summers as being this irrational person all of a sudden what the Avengers are now doing in this issue you're kind of the way uh, T'Challa is you know where he's it's a child right he's like yes. what are we doing you know why are we doing what we're doing right now things seem to be going pretty okay and but now captain america from his standpoint would have to be the flip of that because well having lived through world war ii and someone yes. who decided my idea is better than yours yeah he's not gonna stand for that and what i love about this although it's, it's the one character in the book that i don't like the way that he's drawn i don't like the way cap looks his like face looks squished to me for some reason. I don't know what it is. Um, what I like about this book, though, is that for the first time, I think in the run, Cap- you know, Captain America is doing something that seems antithetical to the good of the world, but never does he feel not like Captain America to me. You know, and it feels like he's doing it for good reasons, and that he seems very measured. Very, he's thinking it out. Like there's a lot of scenes of him watching what's going on, getting reports from people, and I liked that feeling a lot. Um, I'm looking really looking forward to seeing where everything goes. Because you start to see the, the anger, too, in, in the, the Phoenix host, which I like. And yeah. Hope now has an awesome new dynamic to me. That's the best part of it yeah. to me, is where is that going to go? Mm. I, based on a panel near the end, mm. if no one's read yet... It's sort of what we guessed before. Yeah. And we'll see where that leads us Mm -hmm. eventually. Yeah. Um, With Superman 4. Those two pages are awesome. Yeah, there's two pages of just showing you what's going on in the world, and they're they're pretty, they're really impressive. Um, Stephanie, I know you had a cray-cray week. Did you get any chance to read AVX or no? (laughs) (laughs) I did, like, skim through it as Mm. I wanted to be able to talk to you guys with it. So, Mm. I mean, I do, like, I like the last issue and this issue more than I've liked the rest of the series because prior to issue number five, it's just felt, <laughs> here you go, unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Um, I Two just haven't in enjoyed it. Like I felt, I mean, we talk about it on the show, so I read it, but like I haven't wanted to read it. Mm-hmm. Now I'm starting to get a bit more curious, but I still don't feel that sort of... Um, compelling need to go pick it up and read it every week. Right. Um, I think it's interesting the way they're doing it as opposed to being predictable and just using Hope as the host. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I still don't know 
if I'm 100% on board with it, kind of how Steve was feeling. I, I do like the art a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, everything seems to be working a lot, the colors, the lines. Um, I-, I definitely dig the style a bit better, but it might still take a couple more strong issues to draw me in. How many are they doing for this series again? 12. 12? Yeah. Well, then they'd better... They have their chance. <laughs> yeah. I will say this, though. I think it, I think it speaks to... I, how good the last two issues have been that someone like Stephanie who hated this hated this series basically was just very blah on it is now at least at the point where she's like I want to see what happens because I'm starting to feel like it's a good run you know and so that to me says some stuff about what's been happening I definitely do feel that you have the right idea where the first four issues were sort of a road to Avengers like the first issue especially was mm-hmm. just so yeah. pointless yeah and um i mean had those been separated and then this had been number four had been the number one mm-hmm. i would have been way more on board mm-hmm. with this yeah well it's i think this is the typical right to the trade we have to come up with six issues that would fill a trade paperback mm-hmm. so i'll spread out this storyline that could have been three maybe mm-hmm. two and then have another four right. and make one set of six. No, we'll make two sets of six. Mm. Uh, a little casual for my taste. Me. But we're, 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 we're moving up. The last yeah. two have been much, much better. Yeah, So, and that's, that's good news, man. If you're out there waiting for the trade, if you're not reading along, um, this is definitely a point where I think... I'd be interested to see when this trade comes out and what people say, if we have any listeners who are doing that. Because I would like to know how it reads as one volume and not as a month-to-month you know, comic. I, I think because of the gap between reading month-to-month or two weeks to two, two week, weeks whatever in, it is, in yeah. a couple of cases here, it will play better mm-hmm. because it will be more compressed. You'll be reading it in a, in a quicker lump right, yeah. than now where you're spreading through it. Mm-hmm. But I, we'll see. Yeah, We're, I think it's also really easy for us to be either – over or underwhelmed by mm. this whole event because of how much coverage we have to, or how much of our time we have to dedicate to it. It's true. You know, uh, like there's, there's a bunch of other stuff in my pile that I would love to be reading, but because this is the hot, the hot issue mm. right now, you know, you got to take the time to check it out sometimes twice. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't, I really should have investigated more, but I was entirely running out of the house. But supposedly, right after this is over, there's another huge Marvel event well, going on. This is War has been. An, it's called, oh, that's what it is? Yeah. Okay. I, yes. They haven't revealed what it is yet exactly, but there's been three images. One is a bloody Captain America shield, mm-hmm. one of them is Thor's broken hammer. And the other one is like Wolverine's claws that have been like sli- his hands all sliced up and stuff. Hmm. Um, beautiful images. I don't, yeah. I, no idea what it's going to be. Yet. Yeah, it's war on my wallet. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, Gail Simone yeah. Uh, on Twitter was kind of making fun of them, uh, fun of Marvel a little bit about heroes always fighting each other. What'd and she, she was writing plots of other movies and books and then writing. And then the heroes fight each other. Which, <laughs> it was it was it was pretty entertaining. Um, so that's our check in for AVX f- for this week. Um, we'll go from that right into my book of the week because that's the other kind of big huge thing that's happening okay. right now, which is Before Watchmen, the comedian number one by Brian Azzarello with art by uh, JG Jones. And we talked last week about Silk Spectre, and. <laughs> 
And the week before that, we talked about Minutemen. So we've been mm-hmm. talking about this a lot. And I, I was not especially excited about um, the comedian. I just wasn't that excited about. It. I, he's not a, he, the character is so gritty and ugly and dark in Watchmen that I didn't know if it was something I wanted to spend a six part miniseries reading. You know that feeling that mm-hmm. I would get. Yeah, because that feeling you get from the comedian in Watchmen is not good, right? And I talked about in the past about Minutemen and about Silk Spectre and how both, which I liked, but were both lacking a, a kind of a snap to me, like a punch to me, uh, something that made me go more than "oh, this is really good." To going, I need, I want to read the next issue. What's happening here is enthralling me, and I got that with, with the comedian number one. Uh, it, starting right off, you know, we, the first scene we get is Edward Blake playing football with the Kennedys. <laughs> Which, you know, that was a famous deal with them. Touch yeah. football in the lawn. Yeah. So right there, you incorporate something that's very big in Watchmen, which is this alternate history, you know, these heroes being very intertwined with history, much like the Vietnam stuff with the comedian and um, Dr. Manhattan. So I liked that a lot. Um, I loved this. There's a scene between the comedian and Jackie Kennedy, mm-hmm. which awesome. I just loved. It just yeah. I could feel it. I could feel like it was like, like it was real people they talking. They wanted to pounce. Yeah, yeah. And there was like this sexual tension, mm-hmm. energy everywhere in the scene, and it just I could feel it coming off the page. And then <laughs> it, it's it goes. It feels like it's going in a typical direction near the second half of the book, um, but then the way it ends. Is a to- it, it, it sends it veering off again. And you start to realize that, okay, because this Eddie Blake you're seeing, he's a little bit crude, he's a little bit crass, but he's not the Eddie Blake that you see in Watchmen. No. He's not the despicable human being that you, you are subjected to in Alan Moore's book. The ending of issue number one, you start to go, oh, okay, so maybe there is something in his life that starts to turn him towards the way he ends up. And it's, it's analogous to, oh boy, let, let's go Ollie Stone here. It's mm. what happens to America after a certain moment. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to pull him into that and say, okay, he changes as mm. we change. Yeah. So now if, if this character is now our avatar, mm-hmm. that's a brilliant little piece of writing. I loved the art. And what I loved most about it was that it seemed like every every two pages, every time the scene changed, there was a different color palette. The, the paper is actually different colors in a, in a lot of the different oh, pages, which is really interesting and really, you know, hammers home tone in, in a lot of ways. <clears throat> I, I absolutely loved it. it. It really gave me that excited feeling reading it. What's up? <laughs> I just sitting here like, like watching you talking to it is very entertaining. <laughs> um, Bob, what do you think of it? I I didn't pick it up. The first two I had, I felt, as you do, the comedian's not my favorite character in that movie. He's kind of hard to deal with. But now giving him some backstory yeah. and told in such a historically accurate way, mm-hmm. placing him into the history of things, and now giving him a reason to be that person you don't like, mm-hmm. okay, that changes the game. Changes the game entirely. Yeah. And there's a scene where... Uh, Eddie's in a bar, he gets a call, and it's it's Jack and Bobby Kennedy. Yeah. And it just felt so real to me. It felt like you being on your on the phone with a friend 
watching the ball game. Who is just and he's yeah. ripping them apart, and they're they're making fun of each other, and the other brothers yelling from off, you know, away. And it's I'll just, take two touchdowns. Yeah. yeah, give me him and two touchdowns. And it just felt so real to me. I I, I loved it. I, yeah. I went crazy for it. Steve, you said you read it again today, and you felt a little better about it. Was your initial reaction not good? No, you you just mentioned that conversation on the phone. Mm-hmm. I and you're saying it was a natural. Yeah, guy, I thought they were talking in code. Oh no! I, I thought that he was giving him like mission briefs through the way of like a football game. No, no, no. I think he was just talking about a football game. Oh, awesome! That yeah. speaks volumes <laughs> yeah. of how yeah. well I followed a 1963 it. football game. Yeah. Uh, I tend to get some certain things out of books that other people don't. Anyway, so there you go. Um, no, maybe it was code. Maybe we're getting it wrong. I think after a second read, I would say that it was maybe my second favorite. Um, my first still being the Silk Spectre. Um, I just felt pulled. I'm not. I, I'm not very political. I don't necessarily like reading political-based things. However, um, Watchmen doing something political mm-hmm. is probably something that I could get behind. Yeah. Um, but no, it it did take me two reads to really appreciate. Like when you told me that it was your favorite book of the week, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I was like, you know, obviously I'm going to go back and mm-hmm. read it. Maybe I missed something. Um, and I think honestly, the reason why I didn't enjoy it as much right away is my predilection towards not liking politically charged mm-hmm. books and not that it's politically charged. It's not, it puts a spin on an event mm-hmm. that you otherwise, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like how like Forrest Gump, yeah. uh, affected all of these things yeah. through history that you never knew mm-hmm. or Dr. Who, how he, you know, went off on an, on an adventure and he mm-hmm. changed the course of history and we, right. we didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that regard, I think it's really cool. Um, I'm very curious to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think I, for, for my money and they're getting it, I think that the, uh, the Watchmen, the, the coming back of the Watchmen has been really, uh, enjoyable so far. Yeah. And, uh, I'm just, I'm glad to know that we were pretty optimistic yeah. about it, or at least I came to be. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, it's paying off in... Enough of a way that I'm leaving the books feeling satisfied for what I paid and for the start to something that could be really good and mm-hmm. and not destroy right, everybody yeah. and, and, and you know Watchmen in everybody's eyes. How mm-hmm. everybody's so offended by this? Yeah, you really shouldn't be because mm-hmm. they're actually pretty damn damn yeah. good at, at so far. Yeah, I mean, what we said all uh, those weeks ago was: listen, it's not. It's probably not going to be genius. It's not going to be watershed, but it's probably going to be pretty good, you know. And th- and it's been really good to me so well, far. It, it's a collective effort. You're going to yeah. have issues that don't hit because mm-hmm. the you know the people that they hired they they try to find the best people, mm-hmm. but it might turn out that one or two issues just doesn't hit the mark because that particular writer doesn't know how to handle the story that they were given. Mm-hmm. When you had the regular Watchmen, it was one person's singular vision yeah. that wound up being one of the greatest comics of all time. Mm-hmm. And when you get that many people, there's yeah, there's bound to be skepticism and trepidation mm-hmm. in seeing who can handle what. But, I mean, Darwin Cook's done a, a pretty mm-hmm. damn two good for job. Two. Mm-hmm. And Brian Azarell did a really great job with this. Yeah. I like him in general. And, yeah. and now, you know, it's funny how you... You read other stuff by people, and they move up your list, and you like them even more. Yeah. Um, just a side note while we're on the, the air. We should eventually do like our favorite writers or like favorite writers yeah. over time since we started. Yeah, we and probably see should. see where we've gotten with people. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, 
he's also doing Rorschach, so it's made me now very much more excited to read the Rorschach book, which is my favorite character anyway. <laughs> and Night Owl is this week. Who's yeah, doing that? Uh, we... uh, JMS, J. Michael Straczynski. Okay. Yes. Right. We shall see about that. Yeah. I've been pleasantly surprised with this and Silk Spectre, which two books I didn't really even want to read. If I had been doing this, I wouldn't have bought them, and I've liked both of them. So, and I've lo- I loved this one. So, well, I think he, we have a. We talk about spin on things. When you shoot pool, there's the idea of putting English on the cue ball, and mm-hmm. then there's what happens when you hit the object ball. It's called throw. Mm-hmm. It sends the ball slightly differently. Well, that's what happened here, mm-hmm. in that we have a new spin on this character. Mm-hmm. And the events of the issue spin him somewhere differently, or perhaps to the guy we're going to know from the film and the right. other mini. Yeah, yeah. I think that's brilliant. Mm. That was really a great, great all, piece of writing by Azarella. Mm. I also don't know. Puts, oh, I God. personally feel like, I mean, again, this is along the unnecessary train. <laughs> um, I like this story the best so far out of all the Watchmen books I've been reading, or before Watchmen books, rather. But it kind of rings to the tone of like some people are just evil. Some people are just, you know, they don't need a reason th- to be pushed over the edge. Mm-hmm. They just are. And I feel like they're really digging for things to be like, oh, what made him a bad guy? Did this puppy get hit by a car? <laughs> like, it just seems just. I don't know. Yeah, but, but it's a character we've not had an origin for at all. Not, I mean, no. I kind of like that. I kind of like that this guy was just a fucking asshole right from the start. <laughs> like, you know, I don't need to know that he, his friend got killed. You know, it, I mean, his, the president, you know. Okay. Despite the fact, like, I mean, it's... Admittedly, but if we're already going for before Watchmen, mm-hmm. then by design, we have eight characters where we're going to have to find something out about we didn't I, I know before. That. Like, and again, as far as, as, far as uh, the series goes so far, this is my favorite book. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it just rings to the tone of, like, I, I don't need to know why he's an asshole. <laughs> like, he just is. And I, I get that. Yeah. I, I totally get what you're saying. There, there is this sometimes need to over-explain things and... You know, the, the thing I always come back to as a modern example of that in a lot of ways is the Rob Zombie Halloween that, movie, yeah. right? Which, you take a character who is one of my favorite horror movie characters, is Michael Myers, who's scary just because he's scary. Because of that line in the first Halloween... From we, Donald Pleasance. Donald Pleasance. Yes. And then you turn him into... Kills animals when he's a little kid, has an abusive stepfather. Picked on at the bus stop. Picked on the bus stop. <laughs> kid makes it less scary. That makes it much more... Identi- it make- I don't want to identify with Michael Myers. That's not what I want. I, I feel like... Oh, sorry. No, I was going to say, the difference for me, though, is that, you know, Watchmen, in its essence, is a complicated book. And all its characters are very complicated. And... Even though Eddie Blake is a bastard in in Watchmen, there are lines, and there, you know, um, Sally Jupiter even has that line where you know you don't really know. He says she says to yes. you know um, Laurie that you don't know Eddie, you know, you don't know really what he's like, and there, so there's something else there, and that seed is planted. There had to be a reason why he was a hero at some point, mm-hmm. you know, and so... And he does still care about his daughter. He does still try yeah. to make amends in some right. his own awkward way. So, but I do understand what you're saying, Sonny, but go ahead. You, you were going to say something. I just feel like, um, so we're, towards the end, 
I, I don't want to give it away to people who haven't read it mm. yet, but I feel like towards the end when um, there's sort of this, uh, this, this like shoot him up kind of scene. Mm-hmm. And that seems more like the comedian that I'm familiar with. And I kind of think I would have been more um, into it if it had been more like that, just sort of rough, tough, shoot him up, just missions with the police and whoever else. And that sort of thing. Although I don't know how much like actual story you can get out of that. See, but. Now, I would have said that was unnecessary to, to have exactly. word of the week. That's what, that's what I was going to say, yeah. If that had been the story, I'd been like, okay, then why do I need to read this? This gives me something to latch mm-hmm. onto. And again, like I said, he's still a little, he's still a little bit slimy. He's pretty slimy to Jackie. He, you yeah. know, but he's just not the right bastard that we, we, we knew in, in Watchmen. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to talk too long about this book because we've already talked a while about it. But yeah, so that's before Watchmen, um, the comedian number one. Uh, Stephanie, um, you don't have a book of the week, but you went to HeroCon. I did. Yeah. Um, so you guys may or may not know if you're following me on Twitter that I've been traveling a lot. So this weekend I headed to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina for the 30th anniversary of HeroesCon. Is it that um, long already? Wow. Yeah, it's run by a gentleman named Sheldon Drum who has um, a really famous comic book store in Charlotte. Um, a great store. Just I'll, I'll get to that too, though. Um, yeah, this was my first time attending the con, and um, I'll say the very first thing that struck me when I was looking at the program and you know the guest list and stuff, this show is all about comics. After 30 years... Shelton Drum is still doing it right. This man, yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't even know how he does it year after year. I can't even imagine the stress he must go through to put it together. But, I mean, in a time when San Diego and all these other shows are realizing that comics aren't really making them that much money and they're bringing in these movie guests and these media guests and TV and all that, he's still bringing in solely comics people and putting on this fantastic show that brings in solely comic fans. And um, I, I don't have enough good things to say about how great it is. Um, to raise money for the hotels and bringing in, flying in comics people, they have an art auction where any artists can contribute to, um, they make an original piece, they get put on display, and then I believe on the Saturday night, they uh, auctioned the pieces off. Stan Lee came. Ooh. Um, Mark Brooks's piece went for $9,500. Uh, Phil Noto's went for $7,500. Um, they're these phenomenal art pieces. And he just does this great thing with getting people involved and making it a good time. There's drinks, there's laughter, and everyone shows up. And it's... Just phenomenal. Um, I met a few people. I know, again, going back to Twitter, I even ran into a few people from Twitter who found me at my table. Oh, nice. Yeah, with Bill Willingham and um, came and chatted with me. And for those of you I met, that was lovely. Just really, (laughs) really nice to talk to you. You weren't creepy. It was great. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, maybe um, because it was just all comics. It wasn't all those other people. Yeah. <laughs> They're all creepy. <laughs> Will you cosplay oh, was... with me? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey. 
Well, My friends are furry. Do you mind? Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. So, um, for those of you who don't know, I um, I'm Bill Willingham's assistant, so that's why I was at the show, and so I attended all his panels, and um, I attended a panel for Fables, and then the second panel I did was a Vertigo Visions one, where um, Bill, Adam Hughes, and uh, Scott Snyder got together and did Yay! a talk. Friend of the show, yeah. Scott Snyder. Yes, friend of the show, Batman. <laughs> he remembered us. Thanks, of course Scott. he did. How could he not? <laughs> yeah. Poor Scott was losing his voice, and uh, <laughs> but what did you have for him? I know he's like, Oh, guys, my throat or my voice is going, and he's like, I really need a cough drop. I'm like, I got those, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like giving him hauls in a pinch. <laughs> I know, and uh, yeah, you gave had... that man a haul. <laughs> <laughs> I know, got a sort of throat. Uh, I thought you were gonna use ba- Batman voice for that. Did his voice change afterwards? <laughs> I need a hauls. <laughs> I need halls. My throat's kind of scratchy. <laughs> oh, that's um, so much better. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I, I absolutely adored this panel. Um, it got a little shaky at first because poor Scott, again, couldn't really talk. But uh, he went really in-depth in his career about how he got started and how he started in, like, he, he initially wrote novels and uh, short stories. And he just offered so much insight and him and Bill and Adam were all such joys to listen to since respectively they're all such forces in this industry. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there was just honestly so much to take in. I'm absolutely exhausted from just being around and talking to all these people. And um, yeah, I, I ran into Stan Lee in my hotel lobby. And oh, Wow. <laughs> Did you get to um, talk to Stan or just sort no. of brush past? I was I was standing after this was after the art auction and I was talking to a friend of mine and uh, uh, I'd been talking to Paul Levitz and Marv Wolfman in the bar earlier and they Let's were just standing drop those, those names those casually names. yeah <laughs> oh, it's nice I know. sorry we were friends it's kind of just like hey Paul and after <laughs> I saw Mother Teresa and Joan of Arc I just moved through the lobby yeah okay. <laughs> breakfast well, with Gail Simone and Scotty Young and Mouse Guard. <laughs> I didn't need to go say hi to them because I'd been sitting with them for hours. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually, I'm saying that snarkily, but I actually did sit with them for a long time. So. Shut up. <laughs> Which is better than so, you having car accidents with them. Oh, yeah. Which is actually a true story. But yeah, like, I mean, they were standing there and I'm like, why are all these people standing around Paul and Marv? Like, they're at the show. They'll go see them tomorrow. And then all of a sudden I see like a cigar. <laughs> And just like kind of like a hunch, and I'm like, oh, Stan Lee's standing beside us. Ooh. And I took a little stealth picture. <laughs> later. <laughs> um, I got a chance to talk to who else? Walt Simonson and his wife, who are delightful. Walt and Wheezy. <laughs> yeah, Wheezy is like, they are seriously the nicest people I've yes. ever met. They're adorable. Um, I've met them a few times. They're very lovely. They are just, it's so nice to see people, even after all these years, just love their fans, love their work, and they are lovely people. Um, There's a lot of love on the podcast tonight, as opposed to the hate that there was the other night. Lovely is this word of the week. Mm -hmm. As Bob was alluding to, I got into a car accident on the Sunday night. Well, not me. We were... Shelton, who again runs Heroes Con, he has a big barbecue for everyone on the Sunday night. And 
they shuttle all the people out from the hotel to his comic shop and they just have a big barbecue. They, it's free booze, free food. And, um, we were there for a long time. We didn't feel like waiting for the shuttle to get home. We decided to take a taxi. Safe, right? What could go wrong in a taxi? I know. And so this taxi was like, uh, uh, myself, Bill Willingham, his assistant, or his assistant, I'm his assistant. <laughs> his assistant assistant. His agent. Steph needs a nap. <laughs> I know. I'm so tired, guys. His agent. And then there was the mouse guard people who were Julian, David Peterson, um, and uh, Jeremy Bastian, who, if you don't know his art, you need to look it up because this guy is so incredibly talented. Um, anyway, so we were almost home. We're in downtown Charlotte. And we're laughing like we're, we've been drinking in case you didn't catch on from the free booze bit. <laughs> and, you know, we're talking about wetsuits, like except that are filled with water instead of keeping out the water. Whatever. Anyways, we're drunk. <laughs> and, you know, the, the, this guy makes an illegal left turn and we crash into him. And then we we call the police. The police don't show up <laughs> for like an hour, an hour and a half. And we're stuck on the street corner and we started buskering. Well, David started buskering. Oh. Nice. Buskering? And Singing yeah, on the street corner. Doing, doing, like, doing yeah. stuff for money. Uh, okay. like hat tricks? Buskering? Is, yeah. is that? Busking, I think. Busking, yeah. Busking, buskering, whatever, guys. Whatever. You were drunk, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, still am. That's the drunken version of busking. Yeah. And so a Kenny Chesney concert just got out. We didn't know this at the time. There's all these people passing in cowboy boots and cowboy hats. And Jeremy's like, uh, why is everyone like dressed like that? I'm like, because we're in North Carolina. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because I, I, I'd seen a ton of people in cowboy hats and cowboy boots. I just assumed that was like the normal. No, that's just America. We all dress in cowboy hats. <laughs> and so there's all these people drunkenly stumbling. They're holding their friends up and... You know, half of the time, David's holding his hat out, and I'm thinking these women are going to puke in it instead of, like, giving up money. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we're like, where are you guys coming from? And they're like, oh, Kenny Chesney. And we're just like, oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, eventually the cop came, and we were walking. We had to walk home from this car wreck because fucking no way were we taking a taxi. Not after the first one. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we saw a tour bus. And the funny thing is, I was like, ah, I bet you that's Kenny Chesney. And then I looked at the guy that was in the window, and I'm actually pretty sure it was Kenny Chesney. You should have jumped on his bus. I know, right? Be like, we've been talking about you. It's your fault we had an accident. Yeah. It was for your drunken fans who made an illegal left turn. Give us a ride. (laughs) Um, So eventually we made it home. But, you know, I was really happy because, I mean, I'm in – I'm from Canada, as you guys know. And when I'm in the States, I don't have access to my phone unless I'm on Wi-Fi. But the restaurant across the street had, like, guest Wi-Fi. So I, get a, I got a, like, tweet from the street corner. It was great. <laughs> it's great. It was, like, the most creative street corner ever. Like, everyone was so talented except for me, who's, like, most Stop. the proudest moment of the day was freaking the fuck out of poor Mike Mayak. <laughs> okay, then. All right. This was, yeah, anyways. Lots of stories. I will eventually write them all up. <laughs> hey, instead of singing, maybe should have people draw stuff on the street corner. Yeah. <laughs> we, should have had, we should have had sidewalk chalk. Damn you, North yeah. Carolina. Why didn't you have sidewalk chalk? So uh, that was Heroes Con. Yes. 
All right. <laughs> pretty good weekend. Yeah, pretty good weekend. Yeah. So many, so many awesome stories to tell. Well, if I'm they're so- as good as that car accident one, I mean. All right, so let us move on. Um, Steve. We're still doing Book of the Week. We're still in Book of the Week, apparently. Fucking awesome. Yeah. (laughs) All right, well, my Book of the Week is Batman Death by Design. Uh, This is a little something, uh, obviously, by DC Comics. (laughs) It came out written by Chip Kidd and art by Dave Taylor. Uh, Rather than tell you what it's about, I'm going to read you this quick little blurb in the beginning because it will do the job for me and I don't have to sound ridiculous. Okay. Okay. It says the inspiration for this story came from two real world events, the demolition of the original Pennsylvania station in 1963 and the fatal construction crane collapses in midtown Manhattan of 2008. What if, despite the years, they were somehow connected and what if they happened in Gotham City during a glorious golden age? So, um, what this book basically is, is there is a Batman villain in it. Mm -hmm. I won't reveal who, but, um, it's essentially Batman defending Gotham City itself. Um, the city's going through change. There are people that are basically, they're shirking their responsibilities of the safety of the Gothamites. They're building buildings that are what are supposed to last until eternity are only lasting about 10 to 20 years. Um, and what Batman starts to figure out, along with the aid of a few other new characters, that these things are being done on purpose. And we don't know to what end until we finish the book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really cool like va- Batman vacation kind of thing. He's <laughs> still in Gotham. He's still being Batman. But there's so much more, um, in my in my estimation, there's a lot more Bruce Wayne than there is Batman in this, uh, which might turn some people off, but I, I urge you to not be. Um, Bruce Wayne is a, uh, there's a lot of thought bubbles in this. Um, lots of interior dialogue from multiple characters. So not only are you getting very strong dialogue that shows a lot of like, lots of good characters, especially characters that I've never met before, mm-hmm. for them to have had as much of a presence or or just the way they were in this book was very very well written. But um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what else I could say about it. It's just it's it's a period piece. It's that golden age. The art of it is um, gorgeous. I mean, what is this like uh, sepia tone? Type of stuff. Yes, it's pretty sepia tone. Yeah, I mean, it's got colors in it and whatnot. Of course, it's got colors, but uh, it's just, and words and words. <laughs> um, it's just it's a it's a gorgeous, gorgeous book. It looks like something that you would have picked off the shelves from like the forties, like just a, a very, mm-hmm. very long time ago uh, that this would have been written. But it's brand spanking new. It is. It it almost looks. Un, it's weird. It's gonna, it's gonna sound negative, but it doesn't mean isn't negative. Almost like it's unfinished drawings. You know, like the the like the, the almost concept sketches you see uh, mm-hmm. of characters, and that doesn't make it worse. I'm no, not, it seems more penciled than inked. Exactly. Yes, that's what I. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah exactly. Absolutely. Yes, it seems more penciled than inked, and it ma- gives it a, an amazing style. It's it's really eye catching just to look at it mm-hmm. without even looking at a word that's written down. Right. And I'm not usually the guy who notices art as much as writing. So, well, it's that Art Deco thing that picture everything looking like the Chrysler Building, mm-hmm. the sort of right. needly buildings and what New York was. It took. I didn't read that intro. I've only glanced through the book. 
I remember Penn Station being destroyed and turned into the beer can that it is now underground, <laughs> which is just a disaster, when it used to be this gorgeous building with light filtering into it yeah. and gargoyles on the outside. That's what this book is reminiscent of. And right. If I had read that, that would have informed the whole thing. Mm. Right. Well, I mean, what it, what it did for me and what it'll probably do for other Batman readers, and this is actually a very important thing about the book, is that it reminds you that there are villains outside of the Batman rogues gallery that exist in Gotham. Mm-hmm. That there are people in positions of power politically that buy off the GCPD and things like that that are getting things done in Gotham that are not necessarily good for Gotham. And Gotham is Batman's baby. Mm-hmm. You know, he watches over it, takes care of it, cleans out, takes out the trash, mm-hmm. the whole bit. And it doesn't just stop at the Joker or Penguin or the Riddler. Right. Like, there are people that need to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. And this was very much a book about that. So Cool. Awesome. Um, Batman Death by Design, right? It's, yeah, it's a hardcover. Uh, hardcover, yeah. Chip Kid and Dave Taylor. And reasonably priced was this, twenty four nineteen. I found this. Um, of course, I got it from Mr. Rob. Mm-hmm. But uh, Amazon.com, 13 bucks. Nice. Wow. Yeah. So gorgeous. there you go. Well, well worth $13. Absolutely. Bob. Oh, it's it's a it's a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. A couple of quick ones here. I was going to talk about Future Foundation, but Steve spoke so glowingly about it Yaw. in a review. And thank you for the kind words. It really you're welcome. Very, quite touching. Yeah. Um, Dark Avengers was great. Which it was. We've just I also read that. About. Winter Soldier still very hanging good. In, and Ed Brubaker is still going to write that. He even is. Brubaker's after. leaving Captain America. Uh, we've got leaving. the last issue of John Byrne's Next Men, which mm-hmm. ties up a twenty-year run. In a nice little bow that might lead us to somewhere else, but also brings back characters from 20 years back. And uh, we talked about this last time. We're, we're, we're dealing with a New York that isn't the New York. We're used to strange things are happening, and there's a reason that happens. That's the positive. The negative. The negative. I love the negative. I, uh, this yeah, okay. <laughs> now, clear, the, clear that throat. I have to here. I, I'd have another drink, but we have to. We have to open another bottle. Um, having been really into World's Finest and this whole Power Girl Huntress thing that's going on in tours the other day, last week, uh, on the shelf was a cheapy book. It's Superman Batman number twenty-seven from like five years ago, and on the cover, it's uh, it's Huntress and Power Girl in various stations of. Decolletage, shall we say? <laughs> it's like, okay, I'll get over this. Kevin McGuire, who did some great work mm-hmm. before, is here. And a writer named Mark Verheiden, who I'm going to blame all this on right now. <laughs> um, uh, here we go. We have an old Justice Society villain named the Ultra Humanite who can change his mind into other bodies. He's right now in an albino gorilla, which has been for a while. He's been all over the place. That's where I'd go. Um, Where we have here is he's switched the bodies of Superman and Batman for Power Girl and Huntress. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's all right, I guess. Except when we have the Huntress looking down Power Girl's cleavage. And making odd faces. Really? And Batman talking about having a draft. I'm sorry, I read this book and want to go take a shower. This is just hideous. <laughs> I, I, I just don't understand why... Well, actually, I do understand. This is why things have gone so horribly wrong. <laughs> but I mean, having two or three panels of the two characters looking at each other in the wrong bodies, not knowing, okay, mm-hmm. why make sure that we have... Huntress's head pointing downwards, eyes looking through 
I'm looking the at hole right in now, the yeah. middle. You right. have to say it out loud because people can't okay. see your hand motions. Uh, look, looking into her breasts. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and having a wry smile while we're at it. Yes, and, and many shots of, okay, look, here's a shot of all gorillas. There's gorilla fur everywhere, and we can see Power Girl's head, arm, and crotch. <laughs> That's it. I, I'm done ranting. I, I'm sick. I'm sick by the whole thing. I'm done. So Bob is anyway, saying, so definitely do ring Batman, Superman, yeah, number 27. Bob is not a fan d- of superhero camel toe. No. No, and there's way too much of that here. And I'm sure nobody else around here at this table has read it, and no. please don't. Absolutely it not. Was, it was worth the dollar I spent just to have this rant, I will say. It, I remember it, when you, I was there when you bought it, and you were like, oh, let's check it out. Check it out. <laughs> like, well, now you see the result of that. Absolutely hilarious. heinous. The word Today's word is heinous. All right. <laughs> We've got three words so far today. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, we're, and on a negative note for Book of the Week. Yes. <laughs> well, I'll say this quickly. Uh I have started Fantastic Four, so <gasps> just FYI, on my way to North Carolina, I read issue 600. So, Bob, I'm officially on the Fantastic Four train. Oh, That's all. thank you so much. You're, you've, you've enjoyed it. I have. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed 600, so I will carry on and see. It only mm-hmm. gets better. <laughs> all right. So I poisoned everybody, apparently. This is good. <laughs> we ended on a positive note, after all. So. Yes. That's it for Book of the Week. Uh, we're going to come back after a little break to talk about DC's Justice League movie. What could it be? Who could be in it? We'll muse a little bit about it. Hmm. I like musing. Right after this. Right, we are back, um, and we're going to be talking about uh, Justice League movie because um, there's an announcement of a writer and that they're going to be putting it into production, so it seems like they're going to be doing that first before they do any mm-hmm. other movies. Um, so and they've, they've, hasn't, they haven't agreed with us. Where we no, were they haven't exactly. Differently. <laughs> That's what I want to say. A couple of weeks ago, we did have a podcast, and we talked about how can DC catch up to Marvel, and we kind of talked about all the pitfalls and all the problems with doing it, and... I don't want to repeat the stuff that we said in that podcast. This is more going, okay, they're doing it, so... Let's go. Yeah, we're going to almost... It's almost going to be like we're sitting around the table. We're the guys breaking the story with the you know the producer and the writer and whoever, and we're just trying to figure out what are we going to do for this Justice League movie. Um, before we get to that, though, I just got an email, interestingly enough, from uh, 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 Archaea, the PR Archaea, and I thought Steve would like to hear this. They just announced uh, Rust Volume 2, Secrets of the Cell, Oh. <laughs> is is coming out in the fall, so I thought yes. you'd be excited to hear that. Breaking that was actually news. um in the the last not not today's issue of previews, mm. but the the previous issue of previews has a uh, pre order uh, page for that. Okay, and uh, to our listeners, in case you didn't go back in the podcast, uh, Rust was my favorite book of the year mm-hmm. last year. Wow. So, and they and they also sent me a, uh, a the cover. Of the, well, of they the can volume. send me a free copy, and I will review the <laughs> shit out of it. So, uh, so again, let's get back on to, to DC. So, um, I kind of Steve and I came with some casting ideas as well as lineup ideas for the actual movie, mm. like what characters we wanted to be in it, um, and you know, Stephanie also going to be part of that conversation as well. But we asked Bob 
uh, because he knows a little more of the history of the Just- mm-hmm. Justice League, to come up with some possible stories okay. that he thought would be maybe the uh, basis for the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I also went out to Twitter and asked some of our listeners what they thought, so we're going to be incorporating all of that into this discussion. Um, so before we get to the story about what's going on, um, Steve, what, what, before you get to your casting, mm-hmm. what was your lineup for your Justice League? My Justice League would consist of Batman, uh, Batman, Superman, of course, Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. Green Lantern, mm-hmm. The Flash, Aquaman, and Zatanna. Okay. So we have actually the exact same lineup. That's awesome. Uh, so Variety in yeah. talking comics. Yeah. Uh, oh, what's this? Me, me too. I have one extra. Okay, what do you have extra? Hawkman. Hawkman would be a good one. Hawkman's a good just one. Just because visually. Yeah. I think it would be really interesting. Very cool visually. I was more just thinking if you're going to do a movie, you have to kind of keep it down to a certain amount of people. Even Zatanna, Zatanna was kind of my extra one. You really have the same list. Yes. yeah, That's exactly. Awesome. But the question is, um, I guess it's a little different question, but my Flash is Barry Allen and my Green Lantern is Hal Jordan. My Green Lantern is Jon Stewart. Okay. So that's different. Every time somebody says John Stewart, I think it's the Daily John Show. Stewart. I want to see him <laughs> as Green in his own comic book movie. Right. I think that would be amazing. Yeah. What do you think of those lineups, Stephanie? Before we get to casting, um, I I like. I mean, I like everyone that's in it, and I think those would be great. But at the same time, it would be hard to have all of them in the one movie and kind of give them enough screen time to justify it. Right. I'm gonna get into um, that. I do like that idea, and I do like the lineup. I do like that all of you have included Satana as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, you want to um, bring a little bit of that mysticism to it. It gives you another story option. Mm-hmm. Although it might make it a little difficult to understand her when you know she's trying to Speak do her thing. Yeah. That's all right. Might make yeah. it a little hard for the actor more accurately. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, it worked for the Beatles. They could do stuff backwards. If they, they can, can do, do it, it flawlessly in Young Justice, they can do it in a movie. Mm-hmm. Well, go. yeah, but I mean, she actually has to. Whoever you've cast. Has to you know say the words. It's not like they can say it and then well, jarble it backwards. That's afterwards. why they get paid the big bucks, <laughs> right? You're going to have to pay me. I'll say backwards. it backwards. I'll say yeah. anything backwards. To the amount of money they pay these fools. But would you wear the fishnets? I probably. Not. I if you paid me that money, Bob, <laughs> I've worn fishnets for less. Okay. Yes. Um, and a corset. That too. Don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> and I also thought uh, of using Steve Trevor because they've been using him in this new run as kind of the liaison for the Justice League between That's them and great. the yeah, government. That would work, sure. And I think you'd need that kind of human shield almost presence to kind of ground it a little bit. And then you know, I thought about villains as well. And obviously we'll probably get to this too when you're talking about your storylines mm-hmm. and stuff, Bob, because it's going to probably... Okay, but right. I feel like in a, if Justice League is going to come first then you need a villain that people probably know a little bit because you're not taking them from another movie that exists already. So doing, I feel like doing like a dark side or something would be a difficult villain for the first Justice League movie, even though it makes sense because it brings the team together. It's such a powerful force. You need a world-shattering villain here. You need something really right. monstrous to happen. You do need something monstrous to happen. And I know the person I'm going to say is a little bit overused, but I think using Luther as the villain it makes a lot of sense. I'll do a, a B to your A there, though. Okay. Done, done to death, maybe badly, even with mm-hmm. good actors playing yeah. it. Go big Superman, go Brainiac. Brainiac would be great. Um, but I'm, I'm more thinking Luther as like 
the hub, almost like Loki is the hub of the Avengers, mm-hmm. where he's bringing in all these other things to take out right. these people. I'll that was kind of my idea. Too. Okay, go ahead. Um, and I just read the Judas Contract, which is the big Teen Titans storyline, and Deathstroke is the main antagonist in that story, and he is awesome. And I feel like maybe as one of almost Luther's agents, using Deathstroke would be a really cool mm-hmm. idea. So those are my ideas for villains. That's what I went with. Um, before, uh, I don't know if we want to get, should we do casting next or should we maybe yeah, go to no, storylines? Casting, since we're talking about casting. characters okay, and so, then okay. move into crazy stories. All right, so do you want to start out, Steve? Or do you want me to start out? You start out because I'm, gonna, I'm just going to tell our audience right now, I watch a lot of movies, mm-hmm. but I really do not pay attention to the ins and outs of indie actors and actresses, even though I write for a movie site. I just... I I I I care about musicians. Mm-hmm. I don't care about actors. So you could cast some of them. Mm-hmm. A lot Eddie of my, Vedder as yeah. Sinestro. <laughs> I, I just a lot of my choices I think might even be a little silly, but it's just what I would like to see. That's okay. Absolutely not as bad as mine would have been. I said to you before, I had to pick Gregory Peck as Batman, which doesn't work because he's dead. Right. <laughs> I tried to be. I tried to be as realistic as possible, but I have, I have a couple that are just. Almost like pie in the sky. All right, we'll, we'll do okay. this. You uh, go first, okay. and then I'll give my ridiculousness All right, afterwards. so we'll go Since character I, I only have two, so I'll jump in when it's okay. my turn. Okay. We'll go character we'll to see, character Where's here. Stephanie at on this? Well, Stephanie can jump in. I'm sure she'll come up with ideas I as we go along. And obviously, Stephanie, comment on our casting choices as well. Uh, Unnecessary. Yeah. Unnecessary. <gasps> <laughs> He's not sinister enough. Yeah, uh, so we'll go character to character since we have the same okay. characters, all right? all right? Yeah. So Batman. Which is pretty amazing. I have uh, Ryan Gosling is my, uh, is, is my Batman. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. thought about it briefly, but he's a little too soft. I don't think he's soft. He's not soft in drive. No, he's not soft in drive. But I, for Batman... Uh. Sorry, I, that, I, maybe I, I don't know. About I hadn't Craig thought about this Bond. until just now. Yeah. When you, I, I have a Batman. Okay, Tom, Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane could work. Thomas Jane could definitely work. Uh, I think Batman is being older. I think, Batman, yeah, yes, craggier, yeah, deeper. Mm. I hear Stephanie. What's Stephanie going wants on? to say, what, "What's wrong with Ryan Gosling, Stephanie?" Aside from the obvious. <laughs> Ouch. Mm-hmm. No, I, I I love Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Um, I just don't, I don't know. He, I, it could work. I'd have to see sort of like, I don't know, him doing Batman-y things. But mm-hmm. so far, I don't think I've ever really seen him being particularly fierce other than in Drive. Right, but no one ever saw Michael Keaton be fierce before he was Batman either. That's not a good defense. You don't like Michael Keaton as Batman? <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I just, but, well, it did, it did turn out well. It, it certainly did turn did, out very yeah. well. You know, that's what I mean. I'm, I think Ryan, I'm just... I'm just Sorry. It's okay. I'm just being a jerk. It's stirring the pot. You can be a jerk. <laughs> stirring the pot. We're back to stirring the pot. My only defense is I think in Drive, he has a really in, uh, big intensity that will work for the for Batman. I love that movie. And I think that in movies, um, oh God, I can't remember the name of the freaking movie right now. Uh, the movie is The Lawyer. It's with uh, Anthony Hopkins. Um, oh, a uh, Fracture? It's a Fracture? Um, there's two movies called Fracture. There's a horror movie and then the other yeah, movie he's in. Uh he, he plays a lawyer. He's really smart. He's kind of detecting stuff out. And I, I just feel like, and I feel like he's a, a big enough star, but not quite a big enough star that it would be a, a good fit for him. I don't know if he could pull off like the Bruce Wayne aspect of it. I don't know. Like, I, I know that wouldn't really be that big of a part in a Justice League movie. Right. No. But at the same time, I don't think that he really strikes me as billionaire 
genius detective, man. Well, he's because I'm, well, I'm sure he's not a billionaire genius detective, but very few <laughs> yeah, people but, are in real life. Yeah, yeah. Richard Branson, maybe. <laughs> all right. Well, fine. All if right, you want to uh, get all lawyer on me. <laughs> um, but Steve, what did you? Who would you say? My pick for Batman is Michael Fassbender. That's yeah. awesome, obviously. Yes. But Michael, you could pick, I could say Michael Fassbender could play for, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Super, yeah, I know, <laughs> but no, he could after, probably play Michael Wonder Woman. Fassbender yeah. can play Wonder Woman. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> after seeing him in Prometheus and seeing that that whole robotic, cold, mm-hmm. disconnected nature of his, mm-hmm. it reminded me of just the the wall that Batman has mm-hmm. against the rest of the world. And I said, you know what? I said he's he's got a, a nice below the nose going on <laughs> stick the, the the cowl and cape mm-hmm. on him and he's certainly got the build for it mm-hmm. and he's got he's he's got the charisma to be bruce wayne as well yeah. i mean I can... i've got a better idea let's just cast Ma- michael fassbender as everyone yeah and, just and have... cgi him around <laughs> michael <Yeah>. fassbender <laughs> is the justice league yeah. <laughs> he, i love him i mean and i thought about him too yeah you actually almost got cast him like a couple of the roles that i had on here it was just i just couldn't uh I couldn't really lock him down for the Batman role. Well, I have his name in parentheses for every role, but then I just start it <laughs> yeah. next to Batman. Gotcha. All right. Um, so, oh, and Yuri said yours, so we, we're good on that. Yeah. Uh, Superman, we already have Superman. It's going to be Henry Cavill. If they do yes. it, it's going to be Henry Cavill. Right. Well, I, mean, I have another one to throw in there that would be a good replacement. Okay. John Hamm. That's my fucking Superman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's who... John Hamm should be Superman in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, it's never going to happen. But Cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> he was also um, Alex Ross when they t- before they cast Chris Evans as Captain America. Yeah. He said, "I think they should just make John Hamm Captain America and call it a day because <laughs> then he needs to be older and a leader and all this other stuff." But yeah, I mean, he's great. I mean, they, that was a big talk before they even made the Superman movie that that he, they were going to try to cast him. But now, just to throw things in, the ridiculous. Uh, now, Steph, you were just at the convention. I'm sure it was everywhere, and it's sitting here in my little box of goodies <laughs> over here. Um, the Sandy Kalura World's Finest fake trailer they made ten years ago. Yeah, it was amazing. I want that yeah, Superman, and I want that Superman and mm-hmm. Batman. Right. I want guys to look like Alex Ross drawings yeah. to be Superman <laughs> and Batman. I want a spit curl on Superman's mm-hmm. head. I want chins and chest mm-hmm. and attitude, and <laughs> and apparently that Superman tried out for the Brian Singer one and got thrown out the door within like two no, seconds. They, he's too, they he's too old. He is too old. He's just too old. He's just too old. You can't like you can't have Superman it, be thirty five. It, it's not the My problem. God. No, it's not the problem that he'll be thirty five up. It's that if they're gonna make three movies, he'll be forty seven by the time it's over and then he's not gonna look l- Yeah, but but forty seven's the new twenty seven. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but your, I, I tell myself that. But let's go ahead. Moving um, on. So Moving Superman on. is Henry Cavill. That's what it's, it's yes, going to be. Yeah. Um, Wonder Woman is my next up here. Well, who, um, but who's your Superman? Well, I had I just had Henry Cavill. I didn't even think okay. of one because but John uh, Hamm's great. John Hamm is great. Yeah, John Hamm is awesome. Um, I have a Wonder Woman, by the way. But go ahead. So next up is Wonder Woman. Um, my Wonder Woman is Lena Headey. Ah, yep. I like that. She's too old. Yeah. <laughs> she's great that's 31 great she could yeah, be 150 and still be the perfect choice um she's just awesome and she has that strength and that power um and the vulnerability as well just mm-hmm. uh, she makes great characters and everything she's in if she's just like she is in the sarah connor chronicles yeah she's perfect you know in a lot of ways so uh, i could watch her do anything I, I think she would knock it out of the park if she was wonder woman i have a good idea for go that ahead too. so um, 
she would have to work on her acting a little bit because she's still pretty new to the scene. But Gina Carano, who did Haywire. She definitely has the right yeah. build. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, and she has the right look for it. I need to see that movie. I want to see that too. So How many people she, talk Again, about like it. she needs to up her acting because otherwise mm. we're just going to have another disaster Wonder Woman. But <laughs> I think she has the right sort of, you know, kick-assery to her. Mm-hmm. Oh, you say disaster, so you've seen that pilot, the David E. Kelly pilot, Because huh? <laughs> that was bad. Uh, your Wonder Woman before I go? <sighs> My Wonder Woman is kind of silly. Okay. Um, I went online and I was looking at like, Wonder Woman castings, mm-hmm. and every single one of them that I came across, every website I went to, had Evangeline Lilly yeah, as Wonder that. Woman. Yeah, yeah, yes. I know we've talked about it before. And not that I necessarily want to give her the role, mm-hmm. but I did cast her as Wonder Woman just because I think that she is capable of pulling it off. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, they'd they'd have to fix her hair. They'd have to do a well, few yeah, things, but but she certainly has that that rough and tough mm-hmm. um, aspect to her. And of course, everybody knows her as Kate from mm, Lost. Right. But um, I don't know. I'd like to. I'd like to think that I'm the one that gives her her breakout role <laughs> as Wonder Woman. <laughs> okay, Jack Warner. Way to yes. go. Yeah. So after the movie wraps, she can yeah. come to my house yeah. and I don't Casting know, couch. organize yes. my You're going to be in the comics. pictures. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make you a here, star, girl. kid. Yeah. <laughs> now, Bobby's had me going through the whole Buffy thing. Yes. And oh, even though Buffy. I knew her from other things, Elijah Dushku. Mm. She's a little bit too, hey, yo, I'm Elijah Dushku. No, yeah. but... Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something else there. There's a vulnerability that oh, no. should yes. play into Wonder Woman beyond just Warrior Woman. Could never get into her. Yes, I, b- I agree with you. But the problem, I, I mean, she could work on this, I guess, but she's been actress for a while now. She has such a distinctive voice, and that voice never goes away no matter what role she plays. Kind of like uh, Michelle Rodriguez. A little bit, yeah. It, it, okay. just, it just has like this tone to it that I don't feel like would fit in a character you're kind of supposed to fall into as being this mythical character. Her voice sounds too much like a regular person you'd see on the streets voice, you know? Now, how many roles, though, have been written to be that person from the streets? So well, you never, I don't know, yeah. but, you know, it's just, it, 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 I just don't know. If she, I don't disagree, yeah. but it could be interesting. Well, Charisma Maybe Carpenter. Wonder Woman was yeah. in the mob. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Charisma Carpenter, who plays um, Cordelia. Cordelia, looks like Wonder Woman in a lot of yeah. ways, but... Uh, she she's, certainly is Amazonian. She's, yeah, she is very Amazonian. Whoa. And um, she looks exactly the same as she did like 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah she's pretty stunning. I saw her. Uh, she was in an episode of Supernatural mm-hmm. uh, last season. She looked great. Yeah. And she was in The Expendables last year, too. She yeah. was, yeah. She was. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. She was Jason Statham's girlfriend. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on to The Flash next. Sure. Uh, it's Barry Allen. Um, well, I did this like months ago when we did that. We cast the new Fifty Two. Yeah. So my casting is still the same. It's Army Hammer who played the Winklevoss yeah. twins in, in Social Perfect. Network. He's mm-hmm. got that cut superhero chin. Gotta have he's, a chin. He's got that wholesome quality. You know, he's he's playing Barry. That's what you have to have. So that's what I'm going with. Army. He kind of irks me. Oh, really? I don't know what irks. it is about that him, could, that's but like he a fourth irks word. Me. Did you see irks. Mirror Mirror yet, Stephanie? Yeah, I saw it on my plane ride to wherever I was going. So the puppy love didn't do it for you. I want to slap him. <laughs> All right, He's my, just like his teeth are too white. <laughs> wow, wow, his teeth are too white. Oh, you man. do need a nap. <laughs> you really do. All right, my uh, my flash. Uh, I think he's a funny, funny guy, and he might be a little. 
little old for the role, but I think maybe they a little makeup, movie magic, Nathan Fillion. Nathan Fillion, yeah. I mean, Flash is hilarious. No, 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 no. Barry Allen's not hilarious. Wally no, West my is hilarious. Flash is funny. Yeah, well, <laughs> then you're doing the Wally West Flash, or you, yeah, because yeah, because well, Barry, Barry is, is very like serious. Barry. Barry is very Steve Rogers. You know, very yeah. I'm doing the right thing kind of dude, which is fine. I love the Wally West Flash as well. I think he's a great character. Right. Um, Actually, Nathan Younger would be Wally. Yeah, that could work. I yeah. he should yes. be Hal. Yeah, yes. Well, that, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, though I actually did not cast him as my Hal Jordan. We'll get to huh. that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. He just, he has a little too much of that, like, hey, to him. That, well, you know. But I like that. I know, and he's great. But the uh, hammer is my penis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, and even Wally's humor is not quite, hey, it's very self effacing. It's more Spider Man y humor than it is, you yeah. know. Nathan Fillion uh, as the elongated man. That would be good. Yeah, he's just but like you saw him in Doctor Horrible. Yeah, how, like the bravado. Oh yeah, and, yeah. absolutely. Yes, Barry. Ha- but Barry has none of that. Barry has none of that. That's the yeah, thing about. But Barry like, Allen. if you're looking at the cast, you need you need your comic relief to some point. Mm-hmm. The Flash is the obvious choice. Well then, yeah, but okay, but that makes sense. Yeah. Then right. I, I am yes, the, 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 a, a Flash. You, you're right about that. Is is a comic relief? Yes. Snapper um, Carr is not in this movie. I'm saying no. <laughs> okay, good. Um, so. Green Lantern next? Sure. Unless, Stephanie, you have any Flash ideas. No, I got nothing to contribute oh. to this one. Okay. Sorry. So Green Lantern, we, you talked about um, Nathan Fillion, which is a, a very obvious choice. That was a big rumor when that casting mm-hmm. was happening. He just voiced him in animated stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, my Green Lantern, my Hal Jordan, um, is played by someone we mentioned before, and that was it's John Hamm. Ah. Okay. Really? That, yeah. It still would work. Yeah. As John, the Green Lantern? The Green Lantern, yeah. Because Hal... How well he's a little as, snarky, as written, yeah. as written as snarky, but he's very classical, very square jawed, you know. And the kind of idea I would have was because the way DC is laid out, you're gonna ha- you you have the opportunity to replace these heroes with other heroes. So you do a big epic storyline where Hal ends up dying. You know, you can you know goes bad or goes bad yeah. or whatever. You can get some really interesting stuff out of out of John Hamm in, in that way. See, hmm. I just think. To be a balanced cast is why we we all end up having two women, mm. which is important. Yeah, but a person of color would be nice since mm-hmm. no one's done that yet. Mm-hmm. And since so many people know from the animated series, John Stewart is Green yeah. Lantern. Mm-hmm. Should we go that route? It's not a bad choice. I mean, for a lot of people, that is Green Lantern. You know, <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was like, my movie is very Caucasian. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they all kind of are. Yeah, that's the thing about superheroes in a lot of ways. Well, know? I was going to try to fit Cyborg in, but I really couldn't. No. I couldn't think of, it's any, a, he's of anybody. He's a Teen Titan. Yeah, he's in the Just League, but I always think of him as a Teen Titan. Yeah. Um. So I got to give my Green Lantern. Oh, oh. yeah, right. Sorry, Chris Pine. Chris Pine yes. would be great. He would be great. And that hey. was a rumor back there before they cast uh, um, Ryan Reynolds. The the one. Chris yeah. Pine. Yeah, Chris Pine would be awesome. I liked him in Star Trek. He's great in Star Trek. I, th- I, I, I could see him uh, bearing the ring and yeah. floating around and imagining some shit. Absolutely. <laughs> Got that chin. Well, yeah. yeah. The guy with the perfect chin is Bruce Campbell, but he's way too old to yeah, do anything. Exactly. Now, but that's amazing eyes. <laughs> and, and Bruce Campbell's incredibly silly. He's incredibly silly. He's Plastic awesome. man. Uh, he could be plastic. I read something today <laughs> that said that uh, Nathan Fillion is this generation's Bruce Campbell. 
Does anybody um, agree with yeah, that? Yeah, he's a little bit a little bit of a better actor than Bruce Campbell is. Yeah. Bruce I mean, Campbell's always more, Bruce Campbell. So well, I mean Nathan Fillion's not an A-lister, but he's closer to that status than Bruce Campbell yeah, yeah, ever really yeah. was. He's been in a lot of other stuff, but he has that same fanboy love that Bruce Campbell had where they yeah. just want him to be in everything and be everyone, you know. So well, look Bubba at Sam. If Sa- no, I love oh, God, I love that yeah, movie. Yeah, that movie's awesome. But so if good. Sam Raimi had kept making Spider-Man movies, you would have gotten Bruce as Mysterio. That was yeah. his plan, apparently. Mm-hmm. And you would have had oh. Bruce Campbell as major it's villain. Awesome Mysterio. He would be yeah. a great Mysterio. He's great in those little cameos he has in the Spider-Man yeah. movies. Um, Ty? Yeah. Ty or Ty? That's awful. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Look at the Spider-Man. All right, so um, Aquaman time? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I would also have cast Army Hammer for this because he looks exactly like Aquaman as well. But instead, I went with, um, God, I don't know how to say his name, Nicholas Colster Waldau, who plays Jamie Lannister on uh, uh, yeah. Game of Thrones and the Kingslayer. Ah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. He's got that very kind of cocky, he looks like a superhero. Um, what were you saying, Stephanie? I said that could definitely work. Yeah. You could definitely see that. I think he could rock it. What about you, Steve? What do you got? Army Hammer. Army Hammer, really? There you go. <laughs> very nice. His teeth are so white. <laughs> Oh, he's a movie star. Shouldn't someone from Entourage play Aquaman? Yeah, Vinny Chase. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, if they do, if they do the new Aquaman, this mm-hmm. DC fifty two Aquaman, mm-hmm. it could be. I, I think he could get his own movie if they did the oh, Aquaman yeah. that's in now. Yeah. The special effects that they have, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It'd be great. Yeah. I, I, like I said before, I think we talked about before, they could very much be like their Thor kind of story. With a very different world and yeah. you know all that stuff and the the strife under this you know the black they could do Black Manta and stuff that would be a cool movie but uh, Stephanie so do you have any ideas for Aquaman? I really don't. It's I'm okay. Sorry. It's all right. It's all right. Um, so I brought up uh, Steve Trevor before. So for that I picked Nathan Fillion. He did it in the animated. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think he'd be perfect. Or Kyle Chandler who is in Friday Night Lights and he played the father in Super Eight. Oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah. He's he's got that very wholesome, very earnest, you know, classical look to him, and I think that he would work pretty perfectly. Um, so, and for villains, we have Zatanna that we. Oh, sorry, I forgot yeah. Zatanna. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're about all over that. the place. I'm all over. We're I, all over. We're we're good to go here. Though. My Zatanna, I, Ellen Page. This is who I picked for Zatanna. Really? Yeah. She's hmm. sassy. She's spunky. She has the right build. She has the right look. I don't know about the look. She has dark hair. She's. She's so petite and tiny, though. Yeah. Nah. What, Bob? Mia Kunis. I guess she's too like she's so hot. sensual for me. <laughs> yeah, but playful. She's playful. She's also hilarious, but, right? Which is you yeah. need. She's got to have both those qualities. Mm-hmm. And I love Ellen Page. I like her superhero striptease and super. Yeah, <laughs> it was but awkward, it's, but, but, it, awesome. but it, it's it's all. Her sexuality is kind of awkward. Satana has to have that she owns it, doesn't care, I'm having fun. Mm-hmm. And that's where the split has come with the books themselves. So in the movie, it's going to be very particular if we do go mm-hmm. that way. Right. They probably won't anyway. They're not going right. to listen to us. They didn't listen to us before. Yeah. <laughs> Why should they listen to us now? What about you, Steve? Um, well, I imagined, I mean, I imagined my uh, Justice League to be a little bit older. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I pecked, uh, pecked, ooh, uh, <laughs> Creepy. I pecked, Freudian I, slip. Yeah, right? Uh, Gemma Arterton as ooh, Zatanna. Love I me like some, that. Love me good. some Gemma. That's yes. a good one. Yes. I, I think she, she has the look for it. 
Um, she certainly can learn the words backwards yeah. <laughs> uh, to say them in the film. And um, I think she's got a very, she has that sensuality to her, but she also looks like if she looked at you the wrong way, that you'd explode or at least catch fire. Mm-hmm. And Zatanna, I've just changed my vote. Yeah. I, I like your pick much more than yeah, mine. Yeah, I like that too. <laughs> Ha-ha, I win. Um, yeah. Although, there's another actress that, um, who might be almost a little more attuned to the sort of fun aspect of this. Um, she was in Missy, or wait, Like Crazy, that movie Like Crazy, but she was also in a movie called Cemetery Junction, which was fantastic, and her name's Felicity Jones. Okay, And yeah. she's very Gemma Arterton-ish. Mm-hmm. But Arterton ish. Arterton ish. Mm-hmm. But uh I, I I see her with a little more fun mm-hmm. behind her. Sass. Although I mean Gemma Arterton did Saint Trinians, which mm-hmm. was Awesome. <laughs> yes. I, I'm sorry. I, like I actually that do like Saint Trinians, the first one. It's fun. They're stupid, but they're fun. It's funny. That's the one with Russell Brand, right? Yeah. Yes. I like that movie. I haven't seen that one. It's so dumb, but it's like it's it like De- really it's like dumb. Deb's. It's like Deb's dumb, but it's okay. fun. So. It is a lot of fun, but yeah, Felicity Jones would be a good pick too. Cool, Indeed. awesome. Um, so yeah, I had like villains. I don't know if anybody else cast any villains, but no, I, I did. So uh, Lex Luthor. Um, it all depends on like it, it's gonna be tough because whatever they decide to do with Lex is gonna really define how old he is. Is he gonna be older than Superman? Is he gonna be the same age as Superman? You know, because they they mm-hmm. kind of change that origin all the time. But I thought maybe Brian Cranston for oh, Lex Luthor. It's yeah. funny. I didn't think of any villains, but if I was gonna cast, if I was gonna cast any villain, mm. I would have just cast Brian Cranston as anyone, <laughs> right? Because I love him, and I'm so excited for Breaking Bad to be coming back in July. Um, and for Deathstroke, I kind of went on the same way you talked about Batman and yeah. ca- Michael Fassbender as Deathstroke because he Interesting. is like Batman in inverse. You know, he uses yeah. all of those tools that he has, but for evil. And I would really love to, I'd love to see Fastbender playing the bad guy. Fastbender would also be awesome as Lex Luthor, let's be fair. But... He'd be awesome as all the Justice League <laughs> yeah. and their villains. Yeah, exactly. So, so I've got a, I've got a second or third movie idea. Okay. And unfortunately, it's going to be the television first, the whole Green Arrow thing and Black Canary, yeah. which, if you do it in a movie, is now going to seem like Hawkeye and the Black Which is Widow. why I didn't include Green Arrow in right. this. Yeah. For the same reason. But let's say you. Two movies in, if mm-hmm. this is successful, go for Earth 2. Yeah. And go for that. Then we need an Earth 2 villain. Mm-hmm. Vandal Savage, who mm-hmm. they're bringing back now. Joseph yeah. Gordon-Levitt. That's Vandal Savage. Wow. I mean, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is my pocket. He's going to play Nightwing whenever they do Nightwing. Okay. One of these things. Yeah, that's that's always what I would think of for him. Is he big enough to be Vandal Savage? Yeah. Vandal Savage is just, he's a caveman who gets hit by a meteor mm-hmm. like half a million years ago. Mm-hmm. He's not really drawn in the old days to be some gigantic he's pretty big now but i mean right he wasn't that way he's yeah. a guy one in a millions mili- in young justice he is one of the villains in young justice he's a guy scars a, on his face yeah, and stuff, right? yeah. yeah. he's yeah. a guy in a military jacket sort of an angular face a little goatee mm-hmm. and it's in the eyes it's all in the eyes and you got to have that mm-hmm. light there and joseph gordon levitt always seems to have that yeah he uh, certainly does. He does. He's uh, got a twinkle. He does. <laughs> right. And, but evil should have a twinkle. Yeah. He, a villain, you should look at a villain and think, you know, he thinks he's right. Mm-hmm. He's right. not just evil. It's like, well, his idea is better than mine. Yeah. Um, should be the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> Any ideas for your Hawkman? None. Casting? None. Nathan Fillion. Carter, or right? Carter, Carter Hall. Carter yeah, Hall. I want the yeah, Carter yeah. Hall. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, interesting, yeah. 
So that's the alien Hawkman, or he's not the alien Hawkman? Well, no, yeah, he's from Thangar. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Okay. Yeah, we're not the ancient Egyptian Khufu. We're not. We're, okay. Hawkman's ridiculous. Right, he is there ridiculous. 47 Hawkmen and Hawk yeah. girls. And- yes, absolutely. So those are ideas for casting. We kind of took the, the ball and ran with that. But, Bob, what is this movie going to. What do you think it will be about? You're the writer. It's going to be about two hours long. You're brainstorming. Beyond that, okay. Um, you want my plots or real plots first? Uh, your your plots. No, okay. real plots. Do real plots. Do real plots. Real first. plots. Okay, look. Justice League's origin was first told in JLA number nine. Mm-hmm. And in that issue, it's giant meteors coming down from space. The cover's here somewhere. It's in the box. And they fall on different cities and weird things happen. And the heroes have to fight elemental avatars. It's glass and stone mm-hmm. or whatever. And then they combined to fight the entire meteor creature. Mm-hmm. So it's some idea on that order where you get to be introduced to the heroes one at a time, mm-hmm. combined forces to a, a struggle bigger than what anyone can come across. Right. Something like that. Um, JLA 21, which was, of course, a Justice League, Justice Society crossover, which we're not going to do ever. But there we had the heroes fighting their archenemy. Mm-hmm. And what would happen at the end of a battle, the heroes would win, the villains were disappearing into some limbo. Because mm-hmm. there was one overriding villain pulled them out of the fight and said, you know, we can't win this way. Mm-hmm. Let's combine forces, change up mm-hmm. adversaries to a bigger scheme. So we get to introduce the heroes and their arch enemies and then a bigger struggle. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> Could be. Mm-hmm. Um, another crossover was 183, where that's Darkseid. Okay. Now, the fact that the Avengers will have Thanos, which mm-hmm. is their version, right. could start to be a problem. Mm-hmm. But if we introduce this correctly, it's the it's an older set of gods who want to take the Earth back. Right. And to me, one of the sort of things I wrote up is, okay, let's say that ties in Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Old gods coming back, taking over. <laughs> She's fighting against... Yeah. What's happening? Mm-hmm. Can't do this herself. Mm-hmm. Realizes there are other heroes, or they're fighting side battles. Mm-hmm. We go somewhere like that. And Darkseid also introduces the whole galactic, multiple uni- right. multiple universes part of the DC universe in a uh, in a yeah. kind of fluid way. Get very cosmic, very quickly. Yeah. Uh, if we go individual heroes to be introduced, a JLA Year One kind mm. of idea. That's going to be a three-hour movie. Right. It's going to be very tough to shoehorn all this together into any one place, yeah. particularly. Uh, do we introduce this movie as they did in, in the Alex Ross Justice miniseries? We already know who they are. Mm-hmm. Take it for granted. Show us news reports. There's something big happening. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, that might be how they have to do it. Well, that's actually what I wanted to, to talk about. Mm. I know we touched on it a little bit, but do we think that this is the right move for them to be just coming out with the Justice League movie right off the bat? I mean, we talked about this that other show. No, I don't think it's yeah, the right I move. Think that's a no four across. Yeah, but it's what they're doing. Um, Stephanie, what do you think? Fools. Um, as far as them doing this, I think it's a bad idea. I think it's them getting really like. Um, impulsive because of the success of the Avengers. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, we want to play in the sandbox too. And the truth <laughs> of the matter is you fucking can't because you suck at making movies for the most part. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like 
they need to take a step back and just reevaluate what's important to making one of these movies um, from such prominent characters in comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Avengers got it right. They they went out of the way to choose writers, directors, and actors that would perfectly bring this comic book to life. And I feel like DC, even though they haven't really made that many steps other than announcing it, <laughs> just announcing it is, you know, them kind of being impulsive. Mm-hmm. Well, like, I think really what happened with Marvel is they set up a situation where not only was the universe linked, but they all the characters are equal. Mm-hmm. It's a step-by-step process where people could be involved in. There's there are science fiction characters and mythology mm-hmm. and you know war in terms of World War II movies, and so there's something for everyone in a movie, and you built. Well, this Avengers has made more, not counting Iron, the first Iron Man, mm-hmm. which was ju- just a blow-up success. This has made more money than the other ones all put together right. at this point, basically speaking. If you look at the worldwide grosses, for DC to attempt this in one shot, especially when there are only two characters here that people really know, mm-hmm. that's, a tough, that's a tough road to hoe. It, it's tough because you know they're in a very weird spot as a company because... If Green Lantern had been successful, at, at least creatively, if it wasn't successful mm-hmm. commercially, Agreed. you could just go, okay, we have Green Lantern, we've established him, it's going to be Ryan Reynolds, we're good with that. Okay, check. Um, if Batman wasn't ending, if we weren't getting a new Batman, if this Batman wasn't so separated from what DC was trying to do in his universe, you'd be like, and we have these amazing Batman movies that we can pull from, that we can jump on the, off the shoulders of. Christian Bale's our Batman, fantastic. And then now we have a new Superman movie coming out made by a director who has a pretty good track record. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a spectacle, and it's Superman, so that's fine. But they're not. They're starting from basically only having Superman. And that's considering Superman is good. Because what happens if Superman is bad? What happens if Man of Steel sucks? Uh, he's made interesting movies, and not everyone yeah. has paid money to see. Right. Steve Who's and I doing... both like Sucker Punch. Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder is but doing. He's the one doing. He's directing Superman. Man of Steel. Yeah, I love Sucker Punch. I, I love... know. I actually kind of really like it too. Me too. Yeah. I really like Zack Snyder. I don't think the movie will be bad. But I'm saying in DC's case, what if they announce Justice League? They they start casting. They start lining it up, and then Man of Steel. It won't bomb financially. But what if you know creatively it's pretty bankrupt? And nobody likes Henry Cavill, and nobody likes this choice or that choice or this choice. You're starting over again, and, and then yeah. all of a sudden you have nothing yep. to start from. So that's a little bit iffy. But I think they should do it the Marvel way. I think at this point they're kind of like, what are we supposed to do? We haven't been able to get these single movies off the ground. We need to do a team movie quick, get it out there, and that will give us the impetus to make individual movies. Are they still talking 2013? I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't no, think so. Last um, I saw, yeah. and that was as of June 6th, was they're talking 2013. They haven't even started yet. No, no, it'll be 2014 at the earliest, which maybe we'll get a Justice League movie and an Avengers movie in the same year. Um, <laughs> but what else we got here as far as plot lines and stuff go? Um, I, because we have Zatanna, mm-hmm. what if we do something magical? What mm-hmm. if we go back to you know, Thunderbolts? Mm-hmm. Not the Marvel Thunderbolts, right, but yeah. the old Johnny Thunder. Mm-hmm. There's some mystical threat from somewhere else that is now beyond the superheroes. They bring in a mystic. Mm-hmm. Maybe. What if we do something Earthbound? Mm-hmm. Okay, Marvel was very big. Mm-hmm. They started 
on the ground and went into the Shatari and all the other jazz. Mm. What if we start with a human story about an oppressive dictator, something odd here on the earth that needs to be taken care of? Yeah. Give it, give it more grounding. Mm-hmm. Maybe that brings them in their characters to a different place than something cosmic. Well, yeah, that's a leap of faith, though. Mm-hmm. That's you have to really trust that your characters deliver as opposed to a mega storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I, I I don't disagree uh, with no, your I just, over there. But. I think that DC needs to take a leap of faith, but I also think that they need to sit down at like the DC roundtable and have a serious discussion about their plan. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've already talked about, yeah. I'm not going to go on and on, but I think that the Justice League movie right off the bat is a bad idea. I don't, they're looking to capitalize on the popular, the popularness mm-hmm. of the Avengers. I'm all, oh God. Some people call no, popularity. But but popularity <laughs> of the Avengers. And I, okay, I, I seep into people like that. Like yeah. Just rubbing off on me. Absorb all my bad words. But. I, I think it'll be a success, but I think that it's going to be a, a quarter of the success and a quarter of the hype because the Avengers was something that was was in the works for a long time while they were making all these other movies mm-hmm. and people knew that these movies coming out, they had to see them because there was going to be moments in them that were going to prepare them for the Avengers. Absolutely. It was all leading mm-hmm. up to that. Mm-hmm. If you if you give everybody like the woman that jumps out of the cake right away <laughs> with your big big movie mm-hmm. and then afterwards because it was successful to a point well guess what now you got a Wonder Woman movie mm-hmm. now you got a green another Green Lantern movie and now mm-hmm. you got a Hawkman movie after the fact that we blew your you know we blew our wad with mm-hmm. with the Justice League and we're going to have another one for you in two to three years. Mm-hmm. And for now, we're going to give you, you know, the Flash. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. No. You make those movies beforehand. You familiarize me with the characters. So you don't need to spend time in your big movie connecting me to them when you could just be mm-hmm. doing more crazy, cool shit with them. Because mm-hmm. that's what Avengers was, was them doing what they do best. And you're not going to get that mm-hmm. right off the bat. We're going to no. need to be eased into these characters. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, to reiterate something I said the last time, and I promise I won't do any mm-hmm. more reiteration. Is that a word? I think so. Well, yeah, well, totally. It, it's it's a a good, I use it all the time. Okay, okay. <laughs> Take it from me. Um, <laughs> I don't think that makes it a word. The, 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 the companies are where they were in movies, where they were in comics in the 60s. DC's characters were the iconic superheroes who weren't human beings. Mm-hmm. And they, they were all in the same books, but they didn't matter to each mm-hmm. other where Stan and Jack and Don Heck and all the rest of them linked everything together. They'd appear in each other's books if only to fly by in a panel. There was, oh, Spider-Man's swinging across the city. And the characters visited each other and did things. And so in the movies, the Marvel movies are Silver Age Marvel comic books. The heroes get together. Thor and Iron Man have a throwdown. Cap (laughs) shows up. The Hulk beats up this one. (laughs) And they link and become something greater than the individual parts. Starting from a team book and moving outwards or a team movie moving outwards doesn't give you that same feeling. No. And again, I don't want to talk about this too much because we talked about yeah. this a lot like for an hour like a couple yeah. weeks ago. Um, so do we have any other plots, Bob, or is that is No, that that's it? about it for that's me. It. That's 12? Come on. I just wrote a whole series I of movies. I was just asking, Bob. Okay. I, I wasn't accusing you of I've got a whole anything. James Bond series of movies over I here. I wasn't accusing you of anything. I, and I don't get paid for any of this. You either, don't. Either. Absolutely not. DC should hire me, but that's <laughs> um, besides the point. So 
I went out to, on Twitter and asked people if they had any ideas for storylines that oh, they might want to use. Let's go for um, this. So I figured I'd run through some of those. Um, so here, let's start out here with, um, here we go, with PR Juggalo on Twitter. says, uh, Tower of Babel and Identity Crisis. Hands down. There we go. That's what his ideas are. Great, great stories, uh-huh. particularly Tower. Yeah. So continuity intensive. Yeah. I don't know how you begin to tell that story. Absolutely. I mean, Tower of Babel is when we talk about is basically what Justice League Doom is based on. Yeah. yeah. Where Batman has all these files and every single member of the Justice League, they get stolen and these people start getting taken out. That's so cool. Was that Tower of Babel? Yeah, yeah. Tower of Babel. It's, such a, it's a great, it's an amazing storyline. It's get a that. Mark Wade story. Oh. Um, the problem with it is that so, you have to be invested in Batman and all these other characters and understand the machinations of the Justice League and the trust issues and all these other things to really get it. It's a good Justice League 2 or 3. Yes, absolutely. Much as if, and nobody, I don't think anybody suggested this, but you know, it's just like they couldn't do a crisis storyline for, for Justice League 1. No. It'd have to be in deep into the universe in order to do that. Um, yeah, look, I want to see Earth 2 desperately. Right. You can't open with that. Right. No, absolutely not. Um, Repstones also said Tower of Babel, and again, like we, like we said before, yeah. um, Michael Michael Brett uh, says breakdowns. Giffen and Demetrius all the way. Theirs is still such an underrated run. The book, the only real J L A I E. That's what he says. Um, yeah, the Justice League International Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Giffen's again been writing for years and years and years. I. I that's the second team of Justice League, if I remember, third or fourth. Maybe. Okay, yeah. They need these iconic characters. You might be able to adapt it, though. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Sleep Shifter, Caleb on Twitter says Justice by Jim Kruger and Alex Ross. Huh? It's sitting right here on the table. Um, it's, it is brilliant. You you start with a dream sequence that looks in on the characters doing all sorts of things. The Earth is coming to an end, as usual. Right. It's every major villain. Mm-hmm. It's it's it's. Babel reversed in that eventually they hack into the Bat computer okay. and find out everyone's secret identities and all the villains mm. start to go after everything else. Okay. And it, look, it's Alex Ross. Mm-hmm. It looks great. But then we've got to co- hire the guys from World's Finest. I'm sorry. <laughs> all our casting goes out the window. <laughs> right. I actually, that was actually one of my thoughts as far as what the book or the, movie? the plot should be. Because if you're going to have nothing leading up to it, why not just have one big massive throwdown mm-hmm. in sort of a justice style. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be nothing to really be like, oh, but this happened in the last movie. Let's just throw down yeah. everyone. <laughs> right. and, and you could open with the throwdown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Way to go, Steph. Uh, and he also mentions Kingdom Come, but that is a very much a very side, uh, like one-off, not a franchise launching. Justice you know. League 4. Though, yeah. I, though I'd rather see Kingdom Come as an animated. Yeah, that'd be great if they did that. Um, they're apparently, they're almost definitely doing the killing joke animated. Okay. Um, so we'll see what happens to that. And, and supposedly, as an off, yeah. I, I like going off on a tangent, there was a WizardCon version of Marvels that apparently they used Ross's oh, illustrations really? as an animated feature. Crazy. And it's never been seen since. Um, uh, Craig, uh, Craig Wooler, uh, Craggle Rock on Twitter says... How about the epic JLA miniseries when Bob Ryder became a member of Twitter? <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's Earth forty seven. It's not going to happen. Um, it and, did happen already in an alternate Earth. In alternate Earth, exactly. Um, just vibrating on a different frequency. 
Uh, and nobody can see me doing that, <laughs> thankfully. Uh, super, super bad, Larry. Just uh, this is not an idea for a storyline, but he had an idea for casting. He said uh, Katrina, Katrina Law from Spartacus for Wonder Woman, and Morris Chestnut for Green Lantern. Yes, the John Stewart Green Lantern. I agree with that wholeheartedly. So there you go. Thank you guys. Uh, you, we actually have some more emails and stuff from you guys about other stuff, but that's it for the Justice League stuff. Um, before we get to your emails and stuff, um, we're having a little giveaway. Yeah, uh, well, we're having two actually. We're doing this Amazing Spider-Man one, which has been great, and we're going to be finishing it up soon. But we have a new giveaway. Yes, we do. Steve, why don't you enlighten our listeners? This one's pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could say where it came from, right? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Okay, well, uh, we know that by now you're all becoming big fans of uh, Dusk1020 on Twitter. <laughs> Your friend Rob, who is associated with Tor Comics. We love them. Um, and here's the deal, people. We are going to be giving away... A signed copy of Zack Zack Snyder. Zach, Holy yeah. Zach shit! Snyder. What is Stephanie? I blame Don't look you. At me. I blame <laughs> you. No, no, it's entirely your fault. She's a continent away. Come on, Scott Snyder's Batman number one signed. I didn't fuck up Scott Snyder's name. I know I did. <laughs> so Scott Snyder Batman number one DC New Fifty Two signed. Now here's oh, the deal. How do I get in on this? This is how you get in on it, Bob. You can't, Bob. Oh. Not only do you have to... You have to to wear fishnets and heels, Bob. (laughs) You have to be... I am wearing fishnets and heels. You just can't see. (laughs) Can I do this? (laughs) Yeah, let's see. Go. All right. Instead of just having... I mean, you should follow us on Twitter, Mm. and you should post about it, Mm. and maybe we'll incorporate that too. But here's what we want you to do. Since Scott Snyder came up with his own villain that is now going to be, or villains, part of the Batman universe... We want you to email us at, at Talking Comics. Well, they can't email us. At, they have to info at TalkingComicBooks.com. info at TalkingComics. <laughs> TalkingComicBooks.com. Oh, I'm lost. Info at TalkingComicBooks.com. There you go. Is the email address. We want, <laughs> we want you to come up with your own Batman villain. Come up with an origin, a name, and a reason why they're after the bat. And we will read them, and we will pick the best one. Ah. That's what I want to do. I'm so making the rules. Either make it it's really cool rule. or really funny. Yes. <laughs> Anything you want, so yeah. long as you think that we'll like it yeah. and we'll pick it and you'll win. And you'll have your own number one yeah. Scott Snyder signed Batman. Absolutely. So there you go. Um, we are quite excited about that. Um, so uh, we have some listener uh, feedback and questions and uh-huh. such. Um, so I will start here. Again, uh we're going to go with Colin Parfit. Uh, he says, um, if your collections were destroyed by fire <laughs> or wiped, if you're a digital collector, and you could only save one issue, what would it be? Oh, oh my God. Oh, I, one issue or one book? One issue. I've um, I would save the number one issue of The Sword by the Luna Brothers. All right. Having been evacuated twice for hurricanes... <laughs> Uh, I had to take an entire box, but it's pretty easy. It's Fantastic Four number one, signed by Stanley and Jack Kirby. There you go. That would be a pretty obvious one. <laughs> take yeah. this one. No. <laughs> Let it burn. Um, for me, it's tough. I mean, I don't really like. I don't have a, a book that I'm that attached to. You know, I'm kind of like that way with all my collections. Like, I mean, I love the stuff that I own, but if it got lost, if it got damaged, it got destroyed. I mean, it would suck, but I wouldn't 
freak out about it, I guess. I think you'd freak out a little. I mean, I'd be upset, don't get me yeah. wrong, but I would definitely grab my, like, my like, computer and like, my hard drives and stuff. That's stuff because I have all like, my work and stuff and I do yeah. video editing, but uh, I don't know what, I, what I'd take. You know, it's just, I'm relatively new at this. So, I mean, I do have first prints of the first six uh, um, Buffy season eights from a couple of years ago, so I'd probably mm-hmm. grab those because mm-hmm. I'm a big Whedon head, but other than that, I don't really know what, what I would grab. Stephanie, do you have any idea? I have not a clue. I've been trying to think of this, but I don't know. Hmm. Maybe like the first, the number one of Brian K. Vaughn's Runaways, okay. maybe. Uh-huh. But I don't know if I'm that attached to it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I really do love that series. <laughs> <laughs> then that's your pick. Um. Okay, so <laughs> what was that? I was looking at. I was looking at. Uh, that was me. Oh, here it off is. On Bobby, we're talking around. Think, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey. hey, there was a question I want to look at. Here we go. This is from Alan Case on Twitter. He says, "Alan Moore, Frank Miller, Grant Morrison. Which writer had the biggest influence on Batman comics?" Ooh, it's a good question. Uh, it's easy, but it's easy. Yeah, it's Frank Miller. It's Frank Miller, definitely. Yeah. Unfortunately, for the most part, negatively. I don't for think my, that's true. I, for my point of view, mm-hmm. and I'm the old guy. Mm-hmm. Batman, <laughs> so you're right. That's right. There's a cer- <laughs> age grants a certain amount of wisdom in this case. In that, Batman before Dark Knight was a detective. Mm-hmm. Batman since has been written by way too many people as the Dark Knight. Twenty five years later, psychotic character he became. Mm-hmm. Without the leavening factor of he's still a human being and he's still Bruce Wayne, it's taken all these years until Scott Snyder until someone started to write it correctly again. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's he's most influential, but I think negatively. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the thing about I mean, Alan Moore, the Killing Joke is fantastic, mm-hmm. obviously. But- but it's very different. It's not. A, it doesn't reshape Batman in any way. No, really, it's... it reshapes the Joker in some ways. Um, gives you a little bit of an origin. Kind of changes that character. Mm-hmm. Gives you a, a a peek into his psychosis. But it does not radically alter no. the Batman scape. Changes Barbara Gordon, but he had yeah. nothing to do with it. That's Chuck yeah. Dixon and then Gail Simone later. Right. Um, it's definitely Frank Miller. I mean, the the way you think of Batman now is because of Frank Miller. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. He created the idea of what Batman is to us. The Dark Knight is Frank Miller. You know, he you know Batman yeah. had been darker. I mean, dark before that at some points, but never the way he, he did it. Right, but I don't think Frank. When you read Year One, that isn't no. The, that isn't the Dark Knight Returns. No, and that's that's the problem. Is other people or the company have become yeah. lazy. Well, yes. We'll, we'll do this because yeah. people love this. They responded to that. Yeah. Well, okay, if we made Superman break people's necks. Well, I'm sorry, they make Wonder Woman break people's necks. <laughs> I'm sorry, bad analogy. <laughs> bad too, but it's that's the negative portion of it to me. Absolutely, and that is a negative portion. And you're going to always get writers who kind of just want to, who think, okay, I'm going to do almost an impression of what this guy did and it's never as yes. good. Less talented people doing those kind of things. Grant Morrison... Graham Morrison's thing usually and it's the thing with Batman is he doesn't really look to reinvent characters as much as he looks at what's been done with characters and goes what can I do differently what can I twist what can I shape what can I change but his stuff even when he wrote Batman for a long time 
his stuff doesn't almost feels alternate universe to me in a lot of ways. That's you know, a great way to put you it. You know what I, I mean? I agree wholeheartedly, yeah. And that, there's nothing wrong with that because he wrote some really good Batman stories, but it's just, he didn't, like Scott Snyder's not writing off of what Grant Morrison did, you know, at all. There's a lot of, there's still a lot of, and what Scott Snyder's doing, honestly, is a lot more of what Frank Miller did in year one mm-hmm. than what he did in Dark Knight Returns, but... I, I don't know if we... we uh, spoke about the history of Batman with Scott a lot when he was here. A little bit, but not too much. But I, to me, as someone who read Batman years ago and disappeared for years mm-hmm. because I just couldn't stand what was mm-hmm. happening, he's assimilating Dan O'Neill and Steve Englehart mm-hmm. and all the guys who were great at telling Bruce Wayne human Batman mm-hmm. stories, right? And and filtering them all through his own personal prism. Yeah, that's what makes it special mm-hmm. now. Right. Um, do you have any opinion on this, Steve? Or? No, but I think Stephanie was trying to say something like oh. five minutes ago. Sorry, Stephanie. What was, what's oh, up? I have no idea. Don't worry. Carry on. <laughs> uh, I just took a nap. Out, just looking out for you, kid. I apologize. <laughs> that was me. Steamrolled. Do you agree with the, the Frank Miller assessment, though, Stephanie? Definitely. 100%. All right. All right. Cool. I don't think anyone else really has redefined Batman the way he has, again, other than like maybe Scott Snyder. Mm-hmm. This run. All right. Yeah. Awesome. All right, so we have a couple emails. Um, Adam Estep, uh, this is a, a question for you, Bob. Uh, <laughs> Pressure's on. He says, I know he loves the, uh, love the, loves the FF, and I was wondering if he or any of you have read any of the new Ultimate stuff. I think Hickman's run-on has been more exciting than anything going on in the regular Avengers books in the last year. I read the first three volumes of the Ultimates years ago when they first did the Ultimates line, but I've really enjoyed Hick- Hickman's stuff in the book. It's very big and very massive, and I actually feel like the threat, which I won't spoil, is more threatening than the Phoenix Force. Um, but seriously, it makes me scared these characters that it's not going to end well for most of them. Anyway, guys, love the show. So have you read any of Hickman's Ultimate stuff? Nope. Nope. Never really got into the Ultimate Universe. Okay. Um, Sorry. Mm-hmm. I have not read the Ultimates, but uh, Ultimate X-Men yeah. by, um, I think, uh, Nick Spencer was writing it for yeah. several uh, from one up until I think maybe twelve. Right, I think Brian Wood took over. Yeah, he took over. Yeah. I think last issue. Yeah, um, that is super intense. Mm. It's um, very, 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 very political, which we yeah, all we know. Better on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's good. It's yeah. really good. It's um, it's deep. Yeah, he. Uh, uh, yeah, and Hickman writes like basically what's the Avengers book in the Ultimate Universe, which is the Ultimates, mm-hmm. um, which they're gearing up for an event that's starting soon. Which is one, like only the second or third event they've ever done in that universe. Mm. So that's that. Um, he also says that if you like uh, Hickman stuff, that Uncanny X Force is a good book to read, the Remender book. Okay. Says so it kind of reminds me of that stuff. Um, this one's from Travis DiPatola. Says, Hey guys, love the podcast. As a longtime fan of Batman, I've only immersed myself in the DC universe and only recently started collecting comics. I was intrigued by both Bob and Bobby's fervent love for Marvel comics and was just wondering. If I have never read Marvel comics, what are some good graphic novels for a brand new reader? What is the best jumping on point? Thanks, Travis D. Best jumping on point. Look, I'm always for going back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. So to pull something out of a left field and say you should read one thing over another, you're in the midst of all this Phoenix stuff, to me, the dark Phoenix saga. Mm-hmm. Right now, just, just to get the handle on where we're at now, to see where that came in, that Claremont and Burn at their best. Interesting. Um, I would say, you know, something you talked about before, uh, Fantastic Four 600 is a great place to jump mm-hmm. on if you're looking for something a little more uh, recent. 
you know, um, <clears throat> the uh, I, I can't remember what number it is right now, but it was the uh, the, the Amazing Spider-Man the the time travel one that we did, the one where you know New York was destroyed yes. in the alternate reality. That's where I jumped on Amazing Spider-Man. For, oh, I killed tomorrow. I killed tomorrow. There you go. Thank you, Stephanie. Six seven eight and six seven nine. Look at you Woo! pulling it out. Look at you. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, that's a great jumping off point. That's where I jumped on Amazing Spider-Man, and, and you know I think that kind of also helped get everybody else kind of reading Amazing Spider-Man. So there, there are some great trades that Marvel's put out. Things mm. like the first, where it's the first issue of everything mm. right. collected in one little book, and they, they've done sixties, seventies, eighties at this point. I mean, what Rob said a couple weeks ago too is true. They're always they're always jumping on points, cycling through. Marvel <clears throat> does that thing where they do the point one issues. If you mm-hmm. see a point one issue, you can probably jump on. There's some that are not exactly like that, but those are good issues to jump on. Find a character. The best thing you can do is find a character that you are interested in and jump on those books. It'll be easier for you to accept things that confuse you a little bit if you really like the character. Yeah. Um, another important thing to remember about Marvel books is that in the front of every Marvel book, yeah. they yep. have um, not only the origin of the character, but they have the events of that arc yeah. up until that point. What came before. Right. Absolutely. So it's like Rob was saying on the podcast, and I, that's what I took to heart when I started reading Future Foundation, and I just... It's really hard to read it, but I kept going with it, and eventually I got on board and I was following it just fine, that every book is a jumping on point. There is never a bad time to buy a comic book and start reading. If you get into the middle of something and you like it, it's very easy to find the issues before that if you have a good comic store. And even if not, finish out the arc, find out where where they stand in the stories, where this team or where this character stands at the end of that arc, and just hop on to the next one and keep reading. And if you've got a good writer on board within that arc itself that you're reading, you'll yeah. get the basis of where this all went. Well, that's another thing that I that I want to emphasize. And I mean, I, I do this with movies. Uh, I do it with music especially. That um, look for writers that you like. Yeah, because absolutely. if you if you mm-hmm. like a writer, um, my tendency is to explore pretty much everything that they do. Mm. Um, so find somebody who writes in a style that you like, something that you find entertaining, um, something that challenges you a little bit. Because comics can get very dense, mm-hmm. especially Marvel comics can get very dense. Mm-hmm. Um, don't be intimidated by it. Just keep reading, and eventually you'll click onto something, and then it'll be easy street after right. that. Yeah, I mean, it's what Joey said right before, when he was on. He said, "Follow creators, not characters." Right, mm-hmm. and yeah, absolutely. That that's definitely a, a, a good tip. Um, we're gonna close it out with um, one last email, and this is from Kyle Garrett. Uh, so he said, um, "Okay, well, actually, he, there's a two part email because it got messed up." Messed up. Uh, he says the problem with multi-comic continually rebooted characters is that it allows the big two to never have to make any final decisions. That bugs me a lot. For 70 plus years, we keep getting rehashes and remakes and remixes of these characters instead of them letting them exist on their own. The big two feel like they have to they have big feel feel like they have to make some sort of thread between them all. It's confusing and painful, especially when the reasons for doing these changes are circumspect. Um, oh, second, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, when you read a book series, uh, that's it. You read it and it's done. But with Marvel and DC, these guys are rehashing their own work in a way that is unique to those two companies pretty much. I think Valiant has done the same thing, but this is only their second time. Not to say that I'm not used to retellings of old stories or old characters being addressed differently by different people, stuff like Conan, Sherlock Holmes, King Arthur. Um, you know, but basically saying you know these series, movies, TV, 
they tell a story, they end, consequences are consequences, and they happen. You know, in the comic book universe, there are no there are no final consequences. And does that you know? That's why he he liked you know the the Miles Morales thing in Ultimate because I felt like a, a decision, a, a change. And now it feels like with the Spider Man thing, they're kind of almost a little bit going back on that in in, in a way. Um, they said uh, at one point in an interview, but uh, that if they ever put uh, Peter Parker and Miles Morales together in one book, mm-hmm. that it would be the death of Superman of Spider Man altogether. Mm-hmm. And here we are, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, what do you think about that in general? But I mean, you've been collecting comics for a long time. Right. Well, there are, there are two aspects to this. One is that is a comic book reader generation, are we long past the expiration date? Should it have been you read comics for seven, eight years mm-hmm. and move on? Mm-hmm. Or at that point, is is it seven, eight years, and then you tell the story again as DC did by creating an Earth 2, or right. Marvel was gone for years and rebooted. Mm-hmm. Now the characters are in such a place that we're 50 years in, even from Marvel. Mm-hmm. Is it better to have done this maybe as James Bond? Mm-hmm. No one complains about the fact we have five James Bonds. Mm-hmm. And now, at this point, we still have the same M who was in the last movies who complains about him being a Cold War dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Well, when the, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. How old is Pierce Brosnan supposed to be? Right. 70? <laughs> I'm a continuity bizarro. I'm a nut. I love all those things to work, but you have to be able to step back, and I think I can, and say enjoy and have fun and don't get so worked up. Yeah. I mean, he seems to have a real problem with, problem with like the, the idea of the everything being the same universe and because like in That's movie, what makes it work though. That's what right. makes Marvel work anyway. And this is what I want to say to Kyle and I thought this reading the email as well which is if you have a problem with intertwined universe and these characters relating to each other um and these ongoing storylines that keep rebooting and regenerating themselves, then you're probably reading the wrong format because that's what the format is. Now, indie books are different. You, you know, you can read one-off stories and they're very more self-contained mm-hmm. and there is definitely merit to, to that type of storytelling. Mm-hmm. But comics exist in a, in a world, and the big two, Marvel and DC, they're not going to change. They're not. Marvel's not going to become Image. DC's not going to be, you know... That's not what they do. That's like saying to people who make big budget movies, "Why can't you be, you know, like you know, the Thirty Nine Steps or whatever, you know, right. or you know, or no, but on top you know, of it, it is a business, and these are properties. Yeah, and Spider Man and Wonder Woman and Superman all go on lunch boxes and underoos yeah. and every breakfast cereal. Mm-hmm. They need to be updated for new generations mm-hmm. each time, and that can be done artfully mm-hmm. or artlessly. Yeah. And they've been both from both companies mm. over the years. Ooh, I like that. Artlessly. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's very good. Yeah, I mean, and... Uh, it, again, I, I agree with you. If, if you're finding... I have backed away from a lot of the books I read for mm. years because they were not done in the way I wanted anymore. Mm. If I'm not enjoying the things, don't read them. So it's Kyle? Yeah. Maybe you should be investigating smaller books or the books that aren't as tied into continuity. And each company has those, whether it's mm. Justice League Dark, which is now not part right. of the regular Justice League, but some mm-hmm. of those characters. Yeah. Uh, X Factor, which is X characters, but mm. not AVX. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the thing about it is you got to be able to pick at the 
pick out the things you love, and you can't yeah. get angry. This is the way the companies work. If you don't want to, if you don't like the way the companies are running, then you vote with your dollars. That's what you do. You don't buy their books. You move on to other things. I and mean, maybe you come back. Maybe you don't. But the way comics are, that's what makes them work. Like you said before, that's what makes yeah. it work. That's what we love about them, even though we complain about it. The fact that Superman can run into Batman is yeah. what makes it so awesome, you know. And without that, it could be cool. And it'll be it'd be a nice thing, but it would not have the following it has now, and it wouldn't have existed for as long yeah. as it existed. No. no, it's that split that changed a lot of people in my era from mm-hmm. DC to Marvel, right? Where they all got together in the Justice League or it, Superman and Batman at World's Finest every month, but it it never carried over book to book. At Marvel, it was Spider Man because he thinks he needs to make more money to get medicine for Aunt May. He tries to join the Fantastic Four because they're going to pay better. Mm-hmm. And he discovers they don't pay at all. Right. It's like, well, I'm out of here. Well, <laughs> the hell with that. And it was that sort of little, and it was meant to be an aside mm-hmm. that has now turned into a way of life. Which let's just back away and enjoy it. Yeah, and not get. And again, in the end, this is just you know, just just two guys, four guys, three yeah. guys and a girl talking. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're working that. Stephanie, help us out here, please. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I got nothing on this okay. one. Okay. So, um, really quick though, and I'm going to say his name wrong. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's. Well, give Kenan. it to Stephanie then. Keenan. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keenan. Uh, Pete says, Stephanie, don't give up on morning glories. There was. Oh. He's talked to a friend of his who knows Nick Spencer, who says there's a lot of cool stuff coming, and he, he linked to an uh, interview that you should that you should check out. So, just wanted you to keep the faith. All right. Well, send me that link, Bobby. I, I shall. All right. So. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about this week's releases and get the hell out of here because we're running really long. No. Again. I need a nap. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think we'll just be asleep at this point, Stephanie. Uh, so from Boom Studios, we have Hypernaturals, number one, um, which is the only interesting one cover. Out. It looks cool. Terrible title, no, but interesting yeah. cover. Okay. Uh, from Dark Horse, we have Angel and Faith, number 11. We have BPRD, Hell on Earth, Exorcism, number one. We have Fatima, the Blood Spinners, number one. Woohoo! Blood in the title, enough. Yeah, we have Reset, number three. We have Resident Alien, number two. And Star Wars, Blood Ties, Boa Fett is Dead, number three of four. <laughs> <laughs> I can't make this stuff up. Uh, from DC Comics, we have All-Star Western, number 10. American Vampire, number 28. Yeah. Aquaman, number 10. Yay. Um... Batman Incorporated, number two. Yay. Batman the Dark Knight, number 10. New writer. Oh, yeah, that's oh. right. It is new writer. Same yep. artist, different writer, yeah. Well, it's a Scarecrow issue. Mm-hmm. Let's hope. I gave up on you, but now you got to get my money again. <laughs> Before... He spills his Scarecrow junk all over the place again, right? <laughs> Before Watchmen, Night Owl, number one. Uh, Flash, number 10. Yay. Fury of Firestorm, The Nuclear Men, number Yay. 10. Uh, did Gears you say of- that the way President Bush used to just now on purpose? Yes, I did. Okay. No. Uh, Gears of War number 24 it's a final issue uh, Green Lantern New Guardians number 10 I Vampire number 10 uh, Justice League number 10 uh, Justice League Dark number 10 uh, New Dead Wardians number 4 of 8 Savage Hawkman number 10 Scalp number 59 Spaceman number 7 Yes. Superman number 10 Superman Family Adventures number 2 Hooray! Teen yeah. Titans number 10 and Voodoo number 10 um, Woof. From is that Dynamite. Is a dog book? Or? We have Kirby Genesis, Silver Star, number uh, six. Yeah. Lord of the Jungle, number five. 
And Voltron number six. From IDW, we have Dungeons and Dragons Forgotten Realms number two. We have Magic the Gathering, The Spell Thief number 104. Star Trek number 10. Um, Star Trek The Next Generation, Doctor Who, Assimilation 2, number two. <laughs> they should just change their name to Basement Dwellers yeah. Comics. Teena- teenage- hey, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number 11. Transformers, More Than Meets the Eye, number six. Oh. Um, from Image, we have Fatale, number six, along with the trade paperback of Fatale. Yeah. Yay. Um, we have Hell Yeah, number four. We Hell have yeah. Manhattan Projects, number four. We have the trade of Morning Glories, Volume Three. We have Prophet Number Twenty Six, Savage Dragon Number One Eighty, Supreme Number Sixty Five, Whispers Number Three, Yes, and Witchblade <laughs> Number One Fifty Seven. Um, from Marvel, finally, we have Amazing Spider-Man Number Six Eighty Eight, Lizard. We have Captain America and Iron Man Number Six Thirty Three. <laughs> Uh, we have Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, number eight. Hooray! We have FF, number 19. Yes. yes. Hit Girl, number one. Yay. Incredible Hulk, number 10. Uh, John Carter, the Gods of Mars, number four of five. Mm. We have um, Marvel Zombies Destroy, number four of five. Mm. We have Mighty Thor, number 16. Mm. Um, we have Spider-Men, number two. Why not? Ultimate Comics, The Ultimates, number 12. Wolverine and the X-Men, number 12. Huzzah. X-Men, number 31. X-Men Yay. Legacy, number 269. Hooray! And that is it. Oh, and the trade paperback of X-Men Schism, which has only been out in hardcover. What? Uh, the Waking, uh, number two from Zenoscope. I was about to read that out. Finally. Waking I, I beat you to now, it. And number two. A slight rant. Yes, quickly, Bob, because we're at almost oh, okay. two hours this and ten minutes. This <laughs> is the uh, week that the previews comes out into your no- regular stores. The mm. big books and all the things that go with it. Do your local comic shop a favor, uh, n- not to proselytize, reserve stuff give him a list because with all these books coming out it's hard for a store to understand what needs to be ordered in Mm. what number it's good for stores it's good for creators to know what's selling give them a shot if you you pick the last thing off the shelf somebody else doesn't get it it gets to arguments over who gets what cover and all the rest of it Mm -hmm. Mm, we know all about that yes (laughs) so the previous is out go through with your highlighter give your store a break all right good tip bob um, so that's it for the show. Um, if you want to get in touch with us at Talking Comics on Twitter, info at talkingcomicbooks.com, and go to the website, uh, talkingcomicbooks.com. We have a staple of new writers who have been churning out awesome content all week. Uh, they've been awesome. I want to thank all mm-hmm. of them. They have been amazing, the new writers, and thank you guys so much. Uh, please, uh, read their articles, comment. You guys have been commenting a lot more on the articles, which have been awesome. Uh, review us on iTunes there's been a couple new ones uh, we had some really nice ones recently uh, that's been great it really helps when people are looking for podcasts they see one with a lot of reviews they're more likely to check that out um, yeah and so that's taking a touch with the, the podcast uh, us personally I'm at Bobby Shortle on Twitter uh, I am uh, dead underscore anchorus right. on Twitter uh, Bob your email address rrr2442 at yahoo.com and I did get an email there you I go. actually did get an email so, mm-hmm. so to Dan Serpak thank you so much for being a fan of, of the show and, and chiming in and to Rep Stones I'm not paying for your counseling bill for watching Super Pup I'm sorry <laughs> I feel very badly but I'm not paying for that um, and Stephanie how can people get in touch with you on Twitter a hello cookie alright so there we go adorable so uh, that is it for this week's Talking Comics, for Steve, goodbye, Bob, sayonara, and Stephanie, 
Good night. I have been Bobby. <laughs> Until next time on Talking Comics. To be continued. <laughs>